you see, know. here's what here's what I'll promise. I will find a way to steal the Pope hat if we get more subscribers on YouTube. I think that Chiaki <laughs> should do okay. an episode of Chiaki on the Couch where she eats food and does it in the style of Kofuku graffiti. Oh my god! Straight up, straight up food eating erotica. In, like, in all seriousness, uh, all of the Kit Kats in my mouth. In all seriousness, I'm seeing a Kickstarter campaign here. Okay, a Kickstarter People campaign. People contribute even. the money to buy the food that you so erotically consume on the couch, or to fund a particular episode and all the special effects and staging that are necessary. You can do this. This this could be good stuff. I think I need an adult. I can just see it now. Thirty years from now, Chiaki's going to be telling. Uh, grandkids or something. 30 years and I'm a grandma? Jesus, how old do hey, you think I am? Hey, your daughter works fast. What? I don't even, what? This, this is how your granny got obese. <laughs> Ciao, minasan. Anime Addicts Anonymous no live broadcast o kiite itadakimasu. You are listening to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Make your anime addiction worse at aaapodcast.com. And now, here are your anime addicts. Welcome to the 266th episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. We only have one mission here. What is our mission, Shiaki? To make your anime addiction worse. Well, thank you for that. I You're welcome that. for that. I am your host, Mitsugi, and I am joined by Chiaki. Two seats to my left. Say hi, Hello, Chiaki. Hello, everyone. It is a gorgeous day. Summer has returned to Florida. Ugh. It's officially March. Bring on the 90-degree heat. And sitting directly on my left is one handsome Felix, Mr. Felix Abuerne. There's, there's another Felix in this room? Really? What are, you, what are you talking about? Who's the first Felix? That would be me. Yeah. That would be me. Thank One you. One and only. Thank you very much for having me on once again. It's, it's always, always a pleasure to have it's you. It's always good to have you. And uh, we're going to be talking about something today that I think you will be able to lend a lot of insights to, so I'm excited for that. But first, you can find us at our website, www.aaapodcast.com. We're also on iTunes. We just broke 200 reviews on iTunes, but oh my God. I really want to catch the other two anime <laughs> podcasts that Look are still in front. He is so greedy. He's like, we just broke 200, but you guys need to stop slacking. <laughs> so Greed I'm, is good. It is, I mean, I have Greed to be ambitious. Right. I have to be Greed ambitious. So I'm looking for a few more iTunes reviews. That'd be wonderful. You know who also is ambitious? Who's that? Uh, Kevin Spacey's character in House of Cards, Frank Underwood. If you're watching that show, I'm watching it too. Okay, that's a little off topic. <laughs> so you can also find us on Facebook and on Twitter at AAA Podcast. We're also live on YouTube every Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's 9 p.m. GMT for those of you that are international. So it's good to have all of you here in the chat. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping, but uh, first, how's everybody doing today? Chiaki, you first. We need a life update. I, I feel like I already just said I was good. I'm good. I'm good. I did um, an episode of Chiaki on the couch. Oh, my God, that happened. Yeah, it did. It's on YouTube. <laughs> I'm so. an awkward piece of shit, aren't I? <laughs> if you want to see Chiaki on the couch, you can go find that on YouTube under our channel. 
but it will not be on iTunes. It was under. It was my understanding that that's all anybody in the chat room wanted to talk about this evening is Chiaki on the couch. I thought we were just scrapping the whole agenda and we're going to spend the next two hours. We're going to go and, and jump on the couch and do Chiaki on the couch podcast version. Felix, awesome. Felix, let's have man time here, okay? Man time. So you That's deliberately excluding the lovely yes, woman on we're excluding on my her. left okay i'm used to this don't so, worry about it oh. now you may not know this felix but 85 percent of our listener base is male we do have the shocking we do considering have, our content shocking. exactly we do have the occasional unicorn like female caller into the show which we is have nice a lot of them wait you're not involved in this Chucky. i'm sorry but think about this when can't you mute her mic I can actually. Okay, oh but, my I'm, God. but I'm not going to do that to her. Okay, good. So when an almost all male audience hears that there is a video of a of a woman on the filming herself on the couch, they assume the wrong thing. Ninety nine percent out of the time, yes. So yeah. so what you're saying is I'm setting everyone up to fa- for failure, or setting wait no setting myself up for failure and everybody else up for disappointment. I'm sure, I'm sure before long, Chiaki on the Couch will far surpass the popularity of this actual podcast. <laughs> anyway, so our main topic today, we're going to be talking about the results from the uh, recent Academy Awards show, which was uh, about a week ago, for those of you listening on iTunes. It was a week ago, exactly. Yeah. And I guess it's two weeks ago now, because we were already a week past. So, and um, mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about the results from that. And we're also going to be talking about... Um, the, for lack of a better word, the, uh, the selection process that the, that the Academy of, uh, voters goes through and also some other things such as, uh, the history of the best animation category and some of the lobbying that goes on during the awards and prior to the awards show. And then we're going to be doing some impressions. We're a little late on these, but we're going to be wrapping up the last two anime impressions from the, from the winter 2015 season. Chiaki is going to be doing Yuri Kuma Arashi, and Felix is going to be doing Seiken Sky no World Break. World Break. World Break. So um, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, baby. So we have a five-star review. We are uh, going strong on these. So who wants to read the five-star review? I've talked enough. I'll All read right. it. Go ahead, Chiaki. This five-star review was submitted by Dirt M. Gert. And Mr. Dirt writes, As a subscriber to many anime podcasts, I can easily say that the AAA podcast is by far my favorite. It has funny and knowledgeable hosts with good chemistry. Each episode has a standard format which makes it feel organized and easy to follow, along with impressions and reviews. These are helpful and have led me to check out a lot more new shows. Definitely recommended to anyone looking to make their anime addiction worse in the best sort of way. Oh, thank you. That was very nice. And I like the conciseness of it. It wasn't too long. Um, new forum members this week. We had a really slow week on the forum, so people need to step it up. Shame the- on you. Shame them. Only shame them, Mitsugi. I shame you. Shame. Only two new forum members, and both the names are impossible to pronounce. Don't you love it? So we have Krellian and Yappa Raya. What's so hard about that? I don't know. They're not words. They're just like scrambled letters, you know? Well, Yaparaya kind of almost sounds like Yapari. Um, it's kind of a stretch. It's no, a stretch. if you take out off the A-H. The Yapari? Uh, 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 the Yapapa? 
Anyway, so um, we also had some trivia this week. Chianki has really been laying down the hammer Boom. on trivia. Putting up trivia questions that, despite having watched every Ghibli movie there are, there is, is are, I... Did, I didn't know what three out of four of these correct, what the four, three out of four of these trivia questions were, but uh, and for the record, I check every week against the Google reverse image search now to make sure that I distort them enough that it the answers don't automatically come up if you use Google image search. So those who get it right really are separating the boys from the men. The answer was Pom Poco. It was just a random picture of the forest from right at the beginning of the movie, I think. Yep. And. So for those of you that have seen the movie, you probably recognize that because it's right. It's like the first thing you see. And the correct answers were Baka Ichigo, Shake a Spear, and Is No Try, with Baka Ichigo taking the win for the week. We're going to move on to Yay. the third trivia in the, in the Studio Ghibli uh, theme, and it's going to be just as hard as ever. So uh, for those of you that aren't prepared, grab your asses. It's time for an almighty anime mailbag. Anime. 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 Mailbag. Bag, 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 bag. All right, since I've been doing a hell of a lot of talking, we're going to be doing some mailbags here. If you would like to submit a mailbag to the podcast, <coughs> you can do so at www.aaapodcast.com. There's a button at the top that says mailbag. You click that button, and away it goes to our Google document, which Shoo. proves that we are like a million months behind. But eventually we'll have a mailbag episode and we'll kind of catch up. So, uh, Felix. Sure. I'm voting on you to read this first mailbag. All righty. Um, and uh, this is from, if I'm reading this correctly, this is from a piece of Fred. Right? Is that a piece the of word? red. Piece of red. That's, oh, there's not two Fs there. Sorry. Yeah. I need new glasses, guys. It's okay. I, I really Me do. too, actually. A piece of red. Okay. Uh, I apologize, a piece of red, for calling you Fred. Uh, I've recently been buying anime soundtracks and wanted to get more, but I don't know which ones. With that being said, I just wanted to know if you guys have any favorite OSTs from anime that you would like to recommend. Thanks. You know, we just had the anime Oscars, and there was a, a best music category in the anime Oscars, and since you wanted recent shows, you know, I didn't love the anime all that much, but Kill la Kill has a fantastic soundtrack. It does. I listen to Blumenkranz and the Satsuki Kiduin theme and really like a lot of that soundtrack on a regular basis. Oh, and what's her face? The the girl with the parasol and the, the pigtails. Um, the, um, the nom- Psycho girl? Nui? 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 Nui. Nui. I think so, yeah. Nui's theme. I love that one too. Yeah, pretty much all the music in that show is really good. If you want to go back a little further, Fully Cooly has a good soundtrack. I, I, I'm trying to not throw out the normal Cowboy Bebop, Escaflone, blah, 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 you know. Uh, Fully Cooly has a really good soundtrack also. Spice and Wolf has a great soundtrack. Um, Spice yeah. and Wolf soundtrack is really good. I'm looking I'm looking through my iPod right now at soundtracks I have. Um, Full Metal Alchemist has a really good soundtrack. I love the song Recollection. Uh, another one that is fantastic is, um, oh my God, why did I just blank? <laughs> Shingeki no Kyojin. And really? Yeah. Attack well, on Titan has a fantastic soundtrack. Well, weren't we talking about how the guy, what is his name? Uh, I can't remember the composer's name, but how all of his music sounds the exact same. You could just take like 
the music that he did for I'll Know a Zero or whatever it was and just plop it right into Attack on Titan and it's the same exact thing. Yeah, but Attack on Titan was the original. And I'm not going to fault Ugh. him for doing his be- best work at the start. Um, I'm going to fault him for not being original after the fact. But um, another one. See, now you made me lose with the, one, the other one that I had in my head. You're holding it right in your hand, Shiaki. No, but this was one that I, I thought of. Oh, one that I've been listening to a lot more lately is the soundtrack to Someday's Dreamers. Oh yeah, and it's pretty good. That one is is if you like kind of calm, chill music, that one's that one's pretty good for that. Yeah, Someday's Dreamers is I haven't seen that anime, but I do know the music. And it's uh it is kind of like your chill time. I got nothing for this question. The last OST that I bought for anime was Macros Plus. Um, which is beautiful, yeah, by the way. It's absolutely. classic. Classic music, uh, a very very moving, very orchestrally driven score. Um, a little more conventional, no synthesizers. It's it's strings and uh, conventional instruments, but it's old, like me. So, so I mean, Felix, I'm always trying to refer people back to some of those classic anime, but my God, it's hard. Become 32 in the chat has a good one. Uh, Chihayafuru, Chihayafuru soundtrack is also very good. Uh, also, also Evan says Bacano has a has a good soundtrack. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm constantly trying to get people to go back and watch the classics because, let's face it, like the stuff that's been coming out in these latest seasons, you have maybe two gems a, se- a season, and the rest of the anime just aren't that great. So, but most most anime fans nowadays haven't watched anything prior to like 1995 or, or 2005. So, and there's a say, lot of good stuff back there. A that's, hell of a lot of good stuff. I mean, there, there was a lot of junk too, but it wasn't making its way to U.S. shores at that point. What we were getting was the best of the best. And I know you're going back a little further than this, Felix, but I mean, I'm talking about even stuff that's from like 1997, you know, 2000. Yeah, you're right. That's old stuff now. Because I'm going back to 85 and 86, you know, I mean, these are these are the things that that I grew up with. Did time exist back then? I mean, (laughs) well, timekeeping as we know it certainly didn't. You like on Betamax tapes? Watching your Macross Plus on Betamax? Okay, I'm just saying I'd never owned a Betamax. I know when they were in stores, <laughs> and my family was choosing between the VHS and the Betamax. We went with VHS. So you made the right choice. Yes. Now, um, but I've told you, and I've actually brought them to this program before. You know, I still own a working Laserdisc player. Yes. That's unbelievable. Yes. Do you ever use it? No, I don't use does it. it. But it does work. It does work. The sure? last time I checked, when I plugged it into the HD TV in my living room, and it looked atrocious. On the HDTV, um, <laughs> that, but that sounds like a good a good kind of party game can revolve around that of like drink every time you can't tell what's on the screen. Like it, it would be unbearable. You'd have to drink just to look at the screen <laughs> at all. It's awful. <laughs> drink until the picture looks good. Then because I mean, think about how used to things we've gotten with anamorphic widescreen. You know, with these new HDTV sets and anim- um, DVD players that adjust the size of the picture automatically to uh, to the size of the TV. Now, laser displayers were not anamorphic. In fact, laser displayers didn't even have stereo sound. Didn't have a digital sound. It was analog sound. <laughs> so, what does that even sound like? You're looking at a picture that's snowy with black bars across the top and the sides um, because it won't. You know, widen the picture unless you pan and zoom manually on the and TV. And let's face it, even if it did widen the picture, that would only make it worse. It would make it so much worse. We had some more suggestions from the chat. Um, 
we had a, some, a few here. Madoka Magica, Angel Beats, Mezzo Forte, Great Teacher Onizuka, Kids on the Slope, Outlaw Kids on Star. the Slope is good. Hey, but that um, falls under the Yoko Kano, like, genius soundtracks. Nobunaga Concerto. Concerto had great music. I can't really remember. I do. I mean, it, again, very orchestral. Um, you know, very, very stately. Again, reflecting the medieval sort of content, right? But um, but it was that was well done. Well, it does have a musical term in the title. So, um, Chiaki. Yes. Mailbag. All right. Mailbag. Cyber dude writes yellow. If Chiaki were to steal Mitsugi's Pope hat, Indiana Jones style, what moe-infused decoy would she use? Tanks. P.S. If Chiaki did try to reenact it live, I would not expect any where's my sounds. Let's see. I would use maybe a glass of blended cake. Where did my tanks go? I would use maybe a glass of blended cake and that way I could pour more blended cake from the blender and and make sure that it has the appropriate weight ratio. Why am I already seeing it another a future episode of Chiaki on the couch where you're actually doing this? <laughs> uh, Welcome to Chiaki on the couch where I blend cake and eat it. It's even worse, Felix. And just, swap the Pope hat. I'm just mean, encouraging things here. It's like, oh I'm just saying. She's already a woman sitting on a couch, and how are you going to make her eat? How are you going to do the boulder special effects? See, you see, know? here's what here's what I'll promise. I will find a way to steal the Pope hat if we get more subscribers on YouTube. I think that Chiaki <laughs> should do okay. an episode of Chiaki on the Couch where she eats food and does it in the style of Kofuku graffiti. Oh, my God. Straight up, straight up food-eating erotica. In, like, in all seriousness. Uh, all of the Kit Kats in my mouth. In all seriousness, I'm seeing a Kickstarter campaign here, okay? A Kickstarter People campaign, even. People contribute the money to buy the food that you so erotically consume on the couch or to fund a particular episode and all the special effects and staging that are necessary. You can do this. This, this could be good stuff. I think I need an adult. I can just see it now. 30 years from now, Chiaki's going to be telling... Uh, grandkids or something. 30 years and I'm a grandma? Jesus, how old do hey, you think I am? Hey, your daughter works fast. <laughs> what? I don't even... This, what? this is how your granny got obese. <laughs> they made me do it. They made me eat oh all the food. Oh my God. We are so far down the rabbit hole on this one. So Icy Rose <laughs> submits the next mailbag. It's been a good ride though. And says, Hello again, AAA team. Remakes seem to slowly be becoming a thing in anime with Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, Hellsing Ultimate, and the new Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works out now. Are there any classic series out there that you wish got the remake treatment either because of a bad ending or just to see what never got adapted? Can I just say I don't trust anyone to remake any of my beloved classics at this point? I really don't. Leave it alone. Come up with your own stuff. This I just is don't mine. trust you. You can't have it. Exactly. <laughs> um, you mean like uh, what was that one there's anime? A, there's a postscript there. Did you did you not read the postscript? Uh, I didn't. Postscript. Yeah. I expect Mitsugi to say the Twelve Kingdoms. Ah. So if I am right, what would be his next choice? 
So I, I, I purposely left the, the, the 12 Kingdoms off my list, but it is an obvious choice. Didn't we have an, a whole episode about this? About remakes? Yeah, we had callers. But didn't you like the remake of... Didn't you like the addition of Space Battleship Yamato, the recent one? The live-action one? The one that was in... Yeah, the newer one. The new one. There was a new one. I still haven't seen it. Oh, really? I really want to see well, it, though. I'm told because really I watched good. the YouTube trailer, I don't know, maybe two dozen times. It looked awesome. Maybe it was Cram who watched the new anime for Space Battleship Yamato and said it was really good. No, I'm not talking about the anime. I'm talking about the live action oh, one where you have humans actually wearing those uniforms. That's going to be terrible. I'm talking about no, the anime. It looked awesome. Well, okay. Okay. Well, it looked hilariously awesomely bad. Based on what I know of uh, Japanese cinema, you're in for something special. So um, I have a couple. I have a bunch of stuff written down here. I wrote down Berserk, the anime, covers a small portion of the manga and was left at a, at a point in the manga where it shouldn't have been. So that really should have a continuation. So you want to see a remake or just no, a I continuation? See continuation because oh, yeah, that's different. Berserk ends in like the most ridiculously jarring, abrupt place and just randomly stops. You know, it's almost like they intended it to keep going, but then they never did. But Berserk is another one of those shows. It's from like 99 and pretty much no one who's listening has seen that probably. Sure. There was one I, I, that comes to mind also in that same vein, Heroic Legend of Arslan. That, uh, oh, I haven't a, seen that. Yeah. And that one, it was a very, it was a long running manga that when it got adapted, uh, they just stopped abruptly as though the production ran out of money. You know, the studio ran out of money. The, uh, the studio went bankrupt, whatever it was. They just left it in this place. And that's... I was watching that at the same time I was watching Record of Lotus War. And Classic. Right. But Arslan is much more po- politics and intrigue driven than magic and monsters. And thus, it's a higher level of, uh, of storytelling. It was great. Interesting characters, wonderful dynamics between those characters. If you can find it, it's one I recommend. It's a classic. But it ends very abruptly. There's no closure. It's as though they were going to continue, and they just made out of money. Maybe it wasn't popular enough to get an additional funding for that's another an, season. That's very possible. I'd like to forward everyone to episode 260, Guess the Sequel, where we talk about this. Um, a couple others that I'd like to see more of are Spice and Wolf. I think that could go on for a while. Battle Angel Alita. I think there's more content, content there to be told. Ayakashi Samurai Horror Tales. There's lots of there's lots more Japanese folk tales that can be made into horror stories for anime adaptation. A Golden Boy because that's so goddamn funny. And number one on my list, Space Brothers. Yes. Because what the hell, poor Muta never even gets to achieve his dreams. So sad. He achieves his dreams in our hearts. He doesn't achieve shit. They cut him. They cut that anime. He doesn't even get to <gasps> wow. do what he wants. It's ridiculous. Anyway. Um, the next mailbag is uh, was submitted by, holy shit, it's long, submitted by Ediez, and he writes, Hello, AAA Podcast. I have a, a question regarding anime clubs. So, Chiaki, cue up the looking up the anime club episodes. I attend a small, fairly small university with a rather homogeneous student population. Due to this, it has been rather hard to find other people who like anime and manga, and it doesn't help that I'm a shy person but I am willing and interested in starting an anime club at my school. As Mitsugi has mentioned before, he has started an anime club at his university. How difficult was it to start an anime club? What were the main challenges? And do you have any advice as to how to get your word out and to grow? Sorry if you have answered 
uh, this already. M I'm making my way down the archives. Thank you guys for your hard work and dedication. You didn't start the anime club, though. No, I didn't. I was going to say, yeah. We, well, were, we were both presidents at different times of the same anime club. Well, technically, they disbanded that anime club, and I, I just restarted it in the same semester. Oh, uh, so okay. Technically, it did die and was reborn, but um, you might need to get approval from your school to start. You're just a start a club, so that's probably the first step, you know. The other things um, that I think you should do to try to find other people that would want to come are... They usually have events where clubs and sports teams can go and set up little booths to try to attract the interest of freshman students. Yeah, it's pretty the common. The school that we were at had um, the freshmen always came on on campus a week early, and it was a week of like orientation and getting to know the campus and all of that kind of thing. And at one point, usually toward the end of the week, there was the clubs and organizations fair. And the freshmen were paraded into the gym and all of the clubs could set up their own booth if they wanted to and basically just say, hey, we're a club and collect emails and stuff. And then you can send out an email to them and be like, hey, you signed up at our, you know, engagement fair or whatever. Would you like to come? Our first meeting is blah, blah, blah. Campus wide events are really good. Flyers are really good. But just know that people will tear them down and vandalize them, so make sure you have extras. And don't take it personally. People are dicks. Yeah, they're just dicks. And the number one tip, if you build it, they will come. They will come. Because nerd people always find each other. One of the it's things... Like it's magnetism. One of the things Whether that you I, want them to or not. <laughs> <laughs> so one of true. the things that I did when Mitsugi was president of the anime club that we were both in was I became the events planner. And we started, there was a big pool on campus and we had this blow up screen that you could project movies on. So we'd have dive in movies where we would have like ice cream and project like, I don't know, like usually a Ghibli movie, something that kind of has a low barrier to entry. One year was Akira. Um, yeah, that was, that was probably a bad call. Yeah, um, probably. But, uh. So, well, one year it was Princess Mononoke or no, it was Naushka. That's a bad call too. Yeah. Well, you know. Dude, make better choices than us than we did in college. They need to be but, short um, movies. Yeah, I mean, like, The Cat Returns is a cute one. Yeah, it's short. Um, uh, Porco Rosso would be another good one. Either way, my point is, is La that... Blue Girl. <laughs> my point is, is that... Love Blue Girl. Oh, uh, there, there's Felix. Yeah. I'm here. I'm okay, here. Okay. No, no. I'm waiting Felix, my turn, Felix actually. Knows, Felix knows what's going on. My point is, is that have, have events in public common spaces on the college... That way, you know, and, and offer food because everyone loves food because we would get a bunch of people who would come out and they'd be like, so can we have some ice cream? And we'd be like, yeah, sure. And then, of course, because they're get eating our ice cream, they feel obliged to like ask, uh, so so what club is this? What are you uh. doing? <laughs> so is this like is this like that porn, that porn stuff? <laughs> and the know, answer is always those. yes. The yeah. answer is always yes, because then they come to the meetings. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every mm -hmm. every meeting is held 100 percent naked. Pizza, we actually, that pizza may not meetings. bring people depending on who you have at the booth. Pizza at the meetings helped, though. It did. Yeah. I will say that um, after I had done the anime club for, like, my third year, I just didn't give an F. I didn't give even the slightest of Fs anymore. And we actually watched Sailor Moon and the Seven we Balls, <laughs> which is a full-length porno movie where Dragon Ball Z characters bang the life out of Sailor Moon characters. <laughs> It's awful. And Go watch it. I'm for a sure lap. that was against all kinds of laws and rules at the college, but yep. I didn't give a shit. We had someone hanging out at the door looking for security. <laughs> they walked by. 
you, you know, can I just take a moment and reminisce of how good those times were? I just got a mailer that it's my five year like class anniversary. God damn, you're my, old. I know. And I'm just thinking about it. It's I like, hear it. we had some good times. We had some good times back when I didn't realize how much of an ass you were, Mitsuki. I am an ass. <laughs> you are an I ass. I have one. I use it. <laughs> Oh, just man. don't use it right now because it happens to be like pointed in my general direction. Okay. It's well, just, yeah. well, let's not go any further with that. Yeah. I want to respond. Let's take this back um, to a comment that was made in the chat while I was talking about Arsalan. Somebody pointed out there was a show coming in the spring and I, did, I had no idea and I looked it up and there is in fact a new TV series based on that original manga. I'm excited. I'm thrilled. Um, and uh, we it, already it, know what your pick is. That, that's gonna be my pick, <laughs> absolutely. I, 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 I call dibs, and of course, that means when my dice roll comes oh, yeah. along, I'm not Arslan gonna get it. Sankey. There it is. Yep. Oh, one more thing because Mizuki asked me to look it up. If you want more, if you're looking for the archive on our anime club episodes, episode seven. Oh dear God! Can we reboot this so we don't have to point people back to episode seven? Australian anime clubs back 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 to episode seven. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> And then we did episode 103, how to run an anime club. But can we can we do another anime club I don't episode? Have anything, I don't have anything new to contribute to the discussion, uh, honestly. I mean, I haven't done any other anime club stuff since then. So. That's true. All right, Chucky. Uh, actually, Chucky and Felix. This guy's name is written in Japanese. Which of you would like to read it? That's going to be Chucky. All right, let's see. Gyunyu no hito, which... Fun fact, Gyunyu is my favorite Japanese word. Stupid. Hey, guys. Wait, you oh. didn't even say what it means. I, I, I didn't think I needed to. It means milkman. <laughs> it does. It means milkman. It does. Hey, guys. <sighs> Everyone says this, but <sighs> love the show. I only just started listening to your podcast, but I really enjoy it. There's a lot of AAA to catch up on. My question to you is, who is the most overpowered character in all of anime? Uh, Majin Buu. Yeah, for sure. Not only is Majin Buu basically immortal because he can be blown into, like, small, microscopic, particle-sized pieces and yet reform into its in, into himself in a matter of seconds, which is ridiculous. But uh, he turns everybody on Earth into chocolate and eats them, which is insane. He can blow up a planet such as Earth with the flick of his finger. I mean, how can you become more powerful than that? I'm going to blow up a whole planet with, like, with, like a breath. Isn't isn't uh, what was it Bidius or whatever Bidusu Bidusu what wasn't wouldn't he be technically more well, powerful than I Majin guess Buu? so but like but he doesn't exhibit such power that's true I was also gonna say Haruhi Suzumiya is a god oh, for God's sake what? she is it's just lame though I'm, I'm not I am not arguing on if what is cool we're arguing on who is the most overpowered character I, I never saw Haruhi Suzumiya really exhibit any real power I mean she like sways the outcome of a ba of a baseball game and like does stupid bullshit and so if she and, gets and, bored and, the and universe so start stops existing oh, presumably okay yeah, I'm done can I weigh in just with any boss level character from Fist of the North Star you'll know actually any one of them you, you know, Felix, I don't know if you knew this, but recently they had a Puzzles and Dragons Fist of the North Star collaboration. I think I saw advertisements for that on one of the game wikis that I frequent. I yeah. captured every single character that was a bad guy. What's the guy on the horse? Raul. You the are Kenshiro. Raul the Conqueror. I, got, yes. I, I captured Raul. Yeah. Raul. He, He's pretty cool looking. He was pretty cool looking, yes. Yeah. So, uh, 
Uh, can I give a quick shout out? Uh, we have somebody watching. It's a very, very old and dear friend of mine who actually sat me down to watch Golden Boy many, many years oh, ago. God, so Ayanami is, is watching. Thank you for, for watching. And I just know this because she sent me a message on uh, Facebook oh. Messenger just now. And That's it was nice. Golden Boy over La Blue Girl for the win. Okay. And, <laughs> and I, 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 I can't argue that. I really can't. I love I love Golden Boy. It is so it, the that comedy is, one of the is so the best amazing. anime out there for comedy. It's That's so that, good. Okay, everyone, you want a five out of five comedy? Golden Boy. I don't know if I give it a. We, we, we've already reviewed that and did we not have. give it a five. I know, but yeah. it's it is really good. It's really good. Uh, do we have any more mailbags? I tried to put a lot in here because I don't think nope. that, I think that's pretty much it. That's it. Okay, so uh, you want to make the announcement about full Florida anime experience again? You can do it. You're leading. Okay, so we are going to be attending the Florida Anime Experience Anime Convention. It's the fifth year of the convention. It's being held in Orlando, Florida. Um, I, I'm not sure what the exact date is of the convention. Can, can you look that up for me, please? I will do that right now. But um, this convention uh, is, is run by um, Green Monster Entertainment, I think, is, I believe. And they do a very fantastic job of theming their conventions. So, like, the first year it was Cowboy Bebop was the theme, and they had... Pretty much every voice actor from Bebop was there. And you know what's also fantastic is they're they're very dedicated to just keeping it anime. Not that there's anything right. wrong with broad conventions, but mm. but they <laughs> but they take a stance of we are an anime con. If you want a con for games or comics or whatever, great, go somewhere else. Um, this year the theme is going to be Evangelion. So yes. they have pretty much every voice actor slash actress from the original cast is going to be there. I think. Is this one of the shows that my uh, my old friend Kent Ward organizes? You know Kent. I, I know Kent Ward, but th this is not um, one of Kent Ward's. I, uh, because I, he's at least involved in promoting it, or he promotes the heck out of it. If he's not involved in organizing it. Well, I know that Kent so. Ward's in, uh, involved in the in the Propeller Anime Club. Yes, and they meet every he is, week. Yeah, yeah, Propeller mm -hmm. Anime, and he's big in AFO in August every year. So I just had to ask. And I, it, it, it could be. I know that I know that our friend uh, Tom Croom is ge is the general uh, big man um, as as far as FAE goes. But uh, this convention is going to be a lot of fun. You'll be able to hang out with us. I'm sure we're going to have some involvement. I know we're going to be putting on some panels and um, maybe doing some other stuff. And you can come out and have lunch with us and hang out, and it'll be good. So what are the dates for that? If you want to go, it's April 24th to 26th, 2015 in Orlando, Florida. That reminds me I need to request a day off work. Whoops. Um, and if you can make it those dates, you can get one of our two free tickets that we have to give away. You go to aaapodcast.com forward slash FAE 15. Tweet. Fill out the form to let us know what panels you'd like us to see, who you'd like us to interview, and why you want the tickets. It could be any reason. You can write, just because I'm that awesome, give me free tickets, please. All right, guys. So um, we're going to take our first news break. And when we come back, we have a, uh, a very uh, research-based topic about the, the Academy Awards and uh, specifically the best animation category and also the, uh, the level of... Uh, lobbying and or uh, research that goes into the choices that are made by the by the academy members and and some other stuff too i think it'll be interesting we're also going to be doing impressions on our last two shows from the winter 2015 season we're going to be doing yuri kuma arashi and we're also going to be doing um seiken sky no world break so we'll be back after the news break so uh, hang in there
Hail you anime addicts, this is Chiaki and this is your anime news break. I'd like to start by following up on a bit of news I've covered before. North American publisher Digital Manga had launched a Kickstarter campaign to localize and publish Osamu Tezuka's two-volume revenge suspense manga Alabaster in English. And I'm pleased to announce, as maybe some of you know if you went and backed it, it has reached its goal. The company expects to ship both volumes in September. The story revolves around a once-famous athlete who is now an infamous villain. James Block seeks revenge against all things quote-unquote beautiful. Now it's crazy for me to think of Death Note as being a little bit older, but the fact is, is that it is at this point. However, I know that doesn't stop many of you from being die-hard fans, and if you love this series, I hope you're keeping up to date with all of the new musical news. Yes, you heard me right. Frank Wildhorn's Death Note the Musical is getting a bunch of updates. You can find photos online of all of the cast in their costumes. And they've recently released a third full English song. It's performed by Carrie Manlakos. I'm sure I messed that up, but what I won't mess up is where she's famous from. Mamma Mia and Wicked. It debuted online and she is singing as the death god Rem. The song is in English and is sung by English actors, but there isn't any word yet on an English version of the musical at this time, so who knows what's happening there. You can find photographs and videos of the casting costume as well as the performances on the official website for Death Note the Musical or on YouTube. In other news, people at this point are used to acclaimed director Hayao Miyazaki speaking his mind when it comes to important political issues. However, what we're not so used to is the other half of Studio Ghibli, Isao Takahata, giving his thoughts on current events. Well, that is just what he did, and in an interview with the Kanagawa Shimbun, he gave his thoughts on a couple of things, specifically on war and the Japanese constitution. He spoke about his film, Grave of the Fireflies, and how it is commonly viewed as an anti-war film. He offered a contrary view. Takahata said, Grave of the Fireflies is considered an anti-war film, but while anti-war films are meant to prevent wars and stop them, that movie doesn't fulfill that kind of role. Even though it might surprise most people, no matter how often you talk about the experience of being in a horrible position of being attacked, it would be hard for that to stop war. Why is that? When statements start the war, they'll say, we're fighting a war, so we won't be in that position. It's a war for self-defense. They'll appeal to your emotions by using the urgent thought, we don't want that tragedy to be repeated. Now these are some strong words, and he follows them up with some harsh words regarding Prime Minister Shinzo Abe and his decision to reinterpret Japan's constitution to enable it to have a proper military. You can find a translation of the key points of the interview online. This is Shiaki, and this was your Anime News Break. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. Cram, is that a... Uh, Pikachu wearing a Totoro costume and a Totoro wearing a Pikachu costume. <laughs> yeah, you like it? Like it? It's like the best shirt I've ever seen. Where did you get it? Anime convention? Oh, wait, no. Cool store by your house in Japan, right? Uh, actually, I ordered it online. Really? Where? One of those custom t-shirt shops? No, jlist.com has them. 
J-List has a bunch of cool t-shirts, hoodies, and even modern and traditional Japanese fashion like kimono. So it's everything from anime to just Japan. Look, I got this kill-a-kill long sleeve for winter. <laughs> Cram, that's so you. Cram, they even have cosplay on here. You bet. School uniforms, socks, even the school-style swimsuits you see in anime. J-List even sells magazines. I bet you'd like some of their cosplay and fashion magazines sent to your door. You know me so well, Cram. It's been hard enough keeping up with the Japanese fashion back here in the States. Well, you can buy one issue of some magazines. Others, they have a subscription service to get the most current issue each month. Well, if you'll excuse me, I think I need to spend some time on J-List now. Shop away. Story time with Chiaki. I was on a train in Korea once with one of my friends, and um, I get an itch in my nose, and I kind of, you know, rub my nose or whatever, and then I sneeze, and blood just goes everywhere, and we're in between stops, and I'm having, I'm holding my hands over my nose, and there's just blood dripping from my hands. What the hell? It's like one of the worst nosebleeds I've ever had. Shouldn't pick your nose so hard. And then it's like when we get to the stop, and we run out to the bathroom, and I like run in the bathroom, and there's blood all over me, and like all of the girls in the bathroom like flee and i i open up my hand and it's like a pool of blood in the sink and that story wasn't funny at all it was awful nobody will ever want to ride next to chiaki on the train again i always have a good story somewhere in me back to the show and we're back to the 266th episode of the anime addicts anonymous podcast it's good to be back i think we should just turn this into the smooth jazz hour and just keep things rolling L-O-Q, smooth jazz. All right, Felix, take it. That was it. I'm done. Oh, really? Okay, so... I was uh, never a jock for that station. I don't know what the heck else they say. W-L-O-Q, the smooth jazz grooves with... I I, I don't think that's actually... I think it's more like... And on the next hour of WLOQ, we're bringing the smoothest jazz straight to your ears. We have the Rippingtons and Foreplay lined up just for you. It's it, that's exactly it, and nice foreplay reference by the way too. Stanley they're Clark, good. they're good. They're really good. Okay, I have, I have a best of foreplay CD at home. Con- confession time. I grew up on smooth jazz. Like I've seen the Rippingtons and foreplay in concert. And wow. Um. Oh yeah, I've seen Chris Body. I have. In I'm not familiar with him. No. Trumpet player. Okay. All right. Um, but, Marsalis. Uh, Wynton Marsalis. Uh, Brandon Marsalis. You, you know those guys. No. That whole, that whole family. Um, had a whole very musical family. Um, and Brandon Marsalis uh, made his name in the 80s. Um, he did a lot of collaborating with Sting. And okay. uh, Sting's first album, The Dream of the Blue Turtles, Brandon Marsalis <laughs> playing the, the sax on every track of okay. that album. And uh, if you listen to uh, the old movie from the 90s, Sneakers, with uh, Robert Redford. <laughs> Sneakers. Uh, Robert Redford, Sidney Poitier, uh, Dan Aykroyd. Th- that soundtrack... I love Dan Aykroyd. Is uh, is um, Brandon Mar- uh, Marsalis. God, Dream of the Blue Turtles. I haven't listened to that album in full. Okay. okay. Every track. Okay, Every guys. Every track. Okay, guys. Awesome. Maybe this isn't the next Chiaki on the couch. Albums that I haven't listened to in forever, but are totally worthwhile, download them. It's dated. Uh, the last thing I'll say about this, Misugi, okay? It's, it's a little dated because that's the album that had Russians on it. Oh, yeah. And so the music, the, the, the songwriting sensibility is definitely that early to mid 90s the things that were on his mind at the time but, but still you have fortress for around that. my heart yeah uh just great great songs so for those of you that did not watch the academy awards the uh, the the isao takahata studio ghibli film 
the prince, the tale of Princess Kaguya, or Kaguya Hime no Monogatari, did not win the award for best animated picture. Shocker! It was uh, it, the, the award went to Big Big Hero Six. Yep. The uh, the Disney film. So you know what I want to preface all of this with? What? To to be fair and in the interest of full disclosure, I have yet to see Big Hero Six. I want to yes. see it. I have not seen it either. And 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 I and I hold no grudge against that movie in particular. I, I don't I'm either. interested in seeing it. But this is kind of uh, this is to a small degree like sort of like a bitch fest, I think. But it's a well documented, source driven bitch fest. To which my re- I'm I'm already going to tell you what my entire response to this is going to be because I'm going to be on the other side of it. But I'm just going to shrug. He's going to shrug. Okay. Okay. So um. Well, there's a, there's a quote, and I know this is further down in our in our agenda, but I kind of want to start this whole conversation with it to kind of put things in perspective. And it was this quote I found by George C. Scott. And he said this over 40 years ago about the Oscars. And he said, the whole thing is a goddamn meat parade. I don't want any part of it. Was that before or after he won his for Patton? <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite sure. Well, because but, you know, probably it was before when he had not been nominated for other things in Sour Grapes because George C. Scott was a notorious curmudgeon. Yeah, like Rest me. In peace. Like me. Rest in peace. I mean no disrespect, but the man was a notorious curmudgeon. Oh, so he was the American Miyazaki. Um, hey, Miyazaki actually showed up to see to receive his award this year. Did you see? I was blown no, away no, no, by no. that. Takahata. Was Takahata. 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 No, no, it wasn't. Yeah, uh, it was Takahata. Miyazaki. He was he received the Academy Honorary Award. Uh, for oh, the Lifetime oh, Achievement in, Award. In, in oh, okay, LA. Okay. In LA. Yeah, okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. yes that is a surprise. Yeah. But he, he left even, Japan. I thought he didn't do that anymore. He, he, even, didn't, he doesn't leave his forest often. He, he, gave, he gave a big caveat, too. He's like, I guess I'm coming if America doesn't do it or something like that. Like, yeah. like, it's a big hassle, but fine. If America doesn't blow up anybody, well, I'm going to come. Anyway, so the hist- quick history of the, an- of the animated picture. The, the best animation category... Has hasn't existed for all that long. Nope. It uh it 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 started back in two thousand one, I think. That's shri- best animated feature. The the that's short animation was longer. That, slightly longer. Yeah, that's true. I, 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 I'm specifically referring to the best full length animated movie because yep. the short films category has 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 gone. It went back to like the thirties, but I mean, for half of that category's existence, there really was no no one other than Disney. So like if you look at the winners, they won like the first fifty-five awards, and animate an animated short has only been nominated once. And I will mention that. All right. But um, the Shrek won the Shrek Shrek won the first best picture best animated picture award back in two thousand one, and there have been a, there have been several anime films nominated since then. Back in two thousand two, Spirited Away won the second ever best animation movie. Uh, award. It was the first anime to ever win an Oscar back in 2002. Since then, House Moving Castle was nominated in 2005 but lost. The Wind Rises was nominated in 2013 but it lost. And recently, The Tale of Princess Kaguya was nominated this last time around and it also lost. But in between there, La, La Mason and Petite Cubes, which, by the way, is a is a marvelous piece of like 10 minute animation won the best animated short back in 2008 it was abs- it's absolutely amazing but you know what i will say and and take this this for what it's worth but i will say that la mason and petite cubes there's nothing about it that looks like it is produced in japan 
That one that one was made in Japan, right? If I'm understanding who yeah. you, how you how you've structured this correctly. Yeah. So, I mean, it has a French name. It isn't done in the traditional anime style. There's nothing it, it, it the setting looks western in in many ways. There's nothing about it that says you know, this was this was an anime, quote unquote, or this was made in Japan or Asia, as I think people stereotypically look at it. And I think that makes a difference. This is my personal opinion, but I think that makes a difference to people in the academy and stuff like that. Oh, it does. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. Um, just for a full summary, the uh, Disney has won nine of the 14 Best Animated Film Awards. So it's, it's, it's like on a three three. You're counting Pixar, right? Yeah, of course. Okay, because Pixar wasn't always Disney. Well, it, oh, oh, well, okay. I'm yes, I'm counting Pixar. Because yeah, because Pixar is seven of those. If it were just, if it's just straight Disney, two, two. See, see Felix, this is why I brought you. Okay, I mean that's, that's why you must take part. All right, I'm, I'm just okay. Let's, okay. let's differentiate because okay. Disney Pixar was not always one single entity. Chucky, Felix is here to destroy us. When, when did, when did, when <laughs> did um, Pixar join Disney? Now that I don't have an exact for, date for, but it was within the last five years. Yeah, I was gonna. I, I remember it being recent, but I couldn't remember within the how last five years. recent. Mm-hmm. Um, D- uh, Disney buys Pixar January twenty fifth, two thousand six. Oh, okay, a little longer. So more like ten years. That's from CNN longer. Money. Yeah. So yeah, so that means that um, maybe Disney has a couple more than. Than two, but, but maybe I mean, it's fifty fifty. I don't know. But I mean, really, couldn't we just say that all of Pixar's wins are really just anime's wins? Because I mean, John Lasseter takes all insp- all of his inspiration from Ghibli. That's something we can't argue. Well. I certainly <laughs> can't argue that. Yeah, he seems to have a, a massive wins uh, by crush proxy. crush on uh, on Miyazaki. But well, it's I, a recognition. It's a recognition yeah. of. Great ideas. It is a recognition, but he's a bit of a fanboy. It's a if, little, you, uh, if you saw him, did, did you see him introduce Miyazaki for the Lifetime Achievement Award? Oh my god! It was awesome. It was really. He was like, like there was that awkward moment where he's he's transitioning. He's like, and no, you know Miyazaki yeah. and Miyazaki, and like he goes and it's like this awkward contact of John Lasseter being like, he, like let hugs me him, touch you, like yeah. hugs him and shakes his hand and, me, and, and he's like, very like, proper reserved and Japanese Jesus man. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> What is going on? <laughs> Why is this foreigner touching me? So, of course, right after Prince Kaguya Hime didn't did not win, the internet minorly exploded and on like anime on anime uh, boards saying I was going to say oh. our portion of the internet. Yeah, our portion of the internet specifically. You know, oh my god, it's a sham. The uh, Disney is a uh, is the Masuda just call it the, the the best Disney film award. You know, and things like that. And of course, with that came several links that were not very favorable towards the Academy Awards committee, so to speak. As I can't remember the name of the man, but I'll look it up. A man basically went around and interviewed a. a I'm not sure how many total people vote for Best Animation, but he he vote he he interviewed seven total people that voted, and a couple of them had some pretty startling comments. That make me wonder who exactly are the people that make these decisions, and um, these are like direct quotes from the people who are voting themselves, and uh, we're going to get into that right now. So, so one of my favorite quotes when I was researching for this topic, and this wasn't 
this is quoting from another article. So this isn't quoting from someone like, you know, famous or, or in the Academy, but they said, it's not that the Academy members have poor rationale for their choices. It's that they often have no rationale at all for their choices. And that reading, reading the, the quotes from this year's Academy and past year's Academy, that started to really strike me because a lot of them started just, I just noticed they said things like, Eh, I liked it. And I'm just sitting here and I'm going, what did, well, I get it. I get it that, that these are supposed to be people who are experts in their field and that their judgment is intended to be trusted and that if they like it, they're looking at it with a critical eye. But that is not how these quotes read. And maybe that's a context thing. But there's part of me where I'm yeah. like, there are so many times on, on this show where I try to say, you know, I like it, but critically... It's not good or it is good or it's whatever. Never, it should never be enough to just say, I liked it. I, yeah. Because I hate that. Yeah. Know? And, and when I ask people, when people ask me, well, did you like it or not like it? I'm like, it's never that simple. It's, it should never be that simple. This is what I enjoyed. This is what I think could have been improved. You give, give support yeah. for your opinion. Well, if you're trying to be a critic. I yeah. mean, if you're, if you're just talking about it as a person, I can walk out of a movie or, or watch an anime and say, yeah, I liked it. But if I'm trying to be a critic about it, I you know I just I want everyone like, to be critically minded. I want yeah. I want everyone to be a critical thinker, and I just you know. But that's me being a, a scholarly snob. You know, I'm the same way though, and and I think a lot of people are the same way because there's this opinion of the Oscars. I feel like where this is supposed to be the best of the best, and I realize it's a dog and pony show, and I realize it's we're patting ourselves on the back and and all of that. But I mean, at least have some standards. I think what's interesting, though, is, and I know we're going to get into this because uh, later on in, the, in, in our outline here, but what we have to take into account, what I don't think a lot of people know, is how people are, you know, invited to join the Academy. Well, let's talk All you about had to that. do was be nominated for something. It doesn't mean, that doesn't mean, you, you don't have any credentials at all. You don't have to be an expert in anything. You were part of a production where you were nominated for something, specifically. Yeah. And, and then two other people have to support your nomination? No, it's an or. Okay. So you were either nominated for something. So if you're nominated for an Academy Award, congratulations, you're now a member of the Academy. Or you have to be elected by at least two other members. So if Clint Eastwood and Steven Spielberg suddenly said, oh, hey, this Chiaki chick, she's really cool. She should be a member of the Academy. Ta-da! I'm a, member of the, I'm a member of the Academy now. Who's going to say no to that? And and members join for life. Just like the skulls. Yep. This Once you're in, you're in. Exactly. You can't get out. Well, and you Chucky know, doesn't get that reference. I don't. I don't. Um, I want to throw you out the window for making that reference. <laughs> really? The skulls? Why? Oh, my God. Oh, well, come right. on. Oh, my God. Oh, All right. Felix. Go okay, for it. Okay, so, um, so the man, the man who... Uh, was interviewing people. His name's Scott Scott Feinberg of the Reporter. This is of this is a courtesy of the CartoonBrew.com, and um, he surveyed seven Academy members about who they voted for and their selections for the animation and visual effects categories, and S- says that they are quote beyond comprehension. So we'll go voter by voter because I think I think it deserves this. Voter number one is a long and of course they aren't names, but they do give a, a little bit of background. Voter number one is a longtime member of the Academy's 378-member public relations branch. It is a female. 
And Voter One's quote was, if you can call anything a snub this year, it was the Lego movie, which was one of the best movies of the year. I don't know what happened there, but it is inconceivable to me. Of the five they did nominate, my favorite is Big Hero 6, which was adorable and original. So why do you have a problem with that? I have a problem with that because I want something more than it was adorable. Like, this is the this this is the Oscars. This is the Oscars. It this isn't like dog shows have more criteria than that. Freaking Westminster dog show. They're not like, oh, this dog is cute, it wins. They're looking at like, does it meet standards of the breed? Does it have different things? We treat dogs more critically than we treat these movies. We have to really, this is something that we've talked about on this show before in terms of how the West and how Western culture still in the 21st century regards animation in general as a medium for conducting family-friendly stories. Yes. And in that context, when you say something is adorable, that has cash. That, because that means you've hit the right buttons for a family-oriented film and i think the other quotes are going to show that by the way i just want to go on the record saying i have no problem with dogs i I didn't i didn't (laughs) want to i I was replaying that that quote in my head and i don't want anyone to think like we treat dogs better what's wrong with us i love dogs dogs need to be treated wonderfully i didn't mean it like that i just meant we we we're more careful as to how we judge a dog show than how we judge and i want to go on the record as saying i don't really have a problem that big hero six won the oscar I just don't like hearing dumb and uh, racist oh, yes. comments yeah. from the people that are voting, and we're going to get to that too. Because right. because how is a movie from a foreign country supposed to win ever if the, if, if the people that are voting are making racist comments and their quotes about their selections? Well, we'll get to we're going to get to that, but that's why I'm pissed off. My issue with voter number one, and this is purely my personal preference, and, and I think our chat's about to blow up with what I'm about to say, I wasn't all that impressed by the Lego movie. I wrote my review, and you can find my review. Burn. Here, here's, where I, here's where I plug my own website, cluelessmoviereviews.com. Uh, you can wait, find wait, wait. What was that one more time? I didn't get that in my browser. Cluelessmoviereviews.com. Oh, perfect. Thanks. Uh-huh. Thank you. And um, just look up the Lego movie, and I, I thought it was a mess. I thought it was a movie that they're trying so – the writers are trying so hard – to get that perfect balance of adorable and poignant that Toy Story does so easily. And all, like, well, not, maybe not the second one, but first and third Toy Story films do it effortlessly. So many Pixar films do it effortlessly. And they were trying so hard. The only thing that was cute about the Lego movie, well, okay, um, Batman was kind of cool. All right, okay, that's, that's fine. Um, but uh, the, the song, Everything is Awesome. That that was a great number. It was a great musical really? number. Really, I hated that song. It gets in your head. Did it not get in your head? Did no. you not start saying, "Okay, no, no, no"? That you see I it in hated the theater, it. You see it in the theater because it's not performed well. It's, it wasn't performed well in the Oscar ceremony. But if you see it in the movie, it, you don't want to, but you walk out and, and it's in your head. Okay. And then if you're not, you know, you don't have your mind completely on lockdown, you find yourself saying, "Everything is awesome." Everything is cool when you're part of a team. I mean, well, at least they got at least they had that during the Oscars. So let's so let's go on to to voter number two. Who wants to give the profile and read the quote of voter number two? All right, here we go. Bring it. A longtime member of the Academy's 387 member short films and feature animation branch, who has been nominated for an Oscar, male. 
let's also put this in context. We've been throwing out these numbers as far as how many members are on these different divisions of the Academy. The Academy's membership is well over 6,000 at this point. And there's a point I want to make about how they are adding to their membership and how those additions have changed over the last two years, where coincidentally, we've had an anime nomination in each of the past two years. But let me finish reading this first. Okay. Um, where's our Finding Nemo this year? It's not a very great group. I like I liked Song of the Sea and the tale of the Princess Kagayua. Um, but I'm voting for How to Train Your Dragon 2 because it was superbly entertaining and works on most levels, although its story could have been could be a little bit better. So basically I'm voting for the one that was eh, it was kind of cool. Um, but eh. Very underwhelming. Hey, man, they took me to dinner. I got to watch the screening at, like, the house with one of the voice actors. It was really awesome. <gasps> I, again, I kind of... Sorry, that's... I'm sorry, sorry that, what, was un, that was uncalled for. Well, we're not at that part in our no, outline no, we're yet. not. I'm sorry. Um, kind of like what, what Felix was saying, where it's just... I I feel like if, if you're not... Again, it's that... it's It feels like they're not taking the decision seriously, yeah. even a little bit. And, and, I, and I realize, you know, on the flip side, it is just the Oscars. It is a dog and pony show. And it is, let's all go out and pat each other on the back and feel good Hollywood. And, and that's fine. But on the other hand, it's, it's considered a measure of achievement. Yes. In fact, the measure of achievement in our world, in the regardless, East, West, whatever culture you're talking about, an Oscar is the crowning achievement. To yeah. stand on that stage and take home that statue, that's what matters. And I just feel like we we should vote for more than just, it was this, It was okay. The story could be a little better. Without that Oscar, you're just nobody. Oh, by the way, I wanted Michael Keaton to win so badly. I uh, mean... But did you see everything else? No, I didn't. Okay. But, and, but and I mean, admittedly, look, when I saw Birdman... I was blown away by it, and Michael Keaton was my pick for best actor, just as the film was best best picture, best director, all that. Then, maybe four or five months later, I went to see The Imitation Game, and I wasn't sure anymore. I want to see that movie. I just Cumberbatch, I, I just, I, I can't do it. I can't be 100% sure that Keaton was going to win after what I saw happen. And then you see Eddie Redmayne do what he did in the theory of everything and the fact that the actor disappears and it's just Stephen Hawking on the screen in front of you. The fact that Stephen Hawking himself looked at the movies and said, I thought I was watching myself. How, how do you go against that? How do you, yeah. how do you say somebody else should win in his place? You just, you can't. You, you really can't. I loved Keaton. I loved that movie, Birdman. Is, is, I have to own it very soon. It's, it's on video now. I, I want to own saw, it. I actually saw it on Blu-ray uh, yesterday. Um, but... In that field of actors, like I spoke to some people on Twitter um, that were seriously, you know, had a mat on for the fact that Bradley Cooper wasn't getting serious consideration for even though he was nominated for for best actor for American Sniper. He should win. He should win. I was like, not in this field, not in this year, not against Keaton, not against Redmayne, not against Benedict Cumberbatch. He was great. And my review of American Sniper, he's the best thing about that movie and his performance is transformative but not enough against this field part of me wanted him to win just because keaton has had such a long career and he has yet to win an oscar or even be nominated and i just i I just wanted to see him he said it it himself at the end of the ceremony he's like i'm just jazzed to be here man you know he was just just happy you know i get it i get it all right number three number three a member of the academy's 368 i guess we got we lost some someone died in the middle of writing this 
368 uh, member 386 386 I can't talk 386 member writers branch who was nominated for an Oscar within the last decade a male who never got a chance to watch any of these movies so there were so many films to watch and he just and uh, he abstained basically so skip that one I guess okay let me I know I've been weighing in on almost all these comments when this selection process happens, when you're a member of the Academy, apparently some of the way this happens, if you're not wined and dined by the studios, if you don't get that treatment, what happens is, is they ship you a box of screeners and a ballot. And, and they ship it to you after the, after the nominations have been announced, but before the show, clearly. So you have a very small window of time to watch all the stuff. And these people have lives and they work. You know, so yes, it's a serious responsibility, but let's take into account that children, families, yeah. other jobs, other that's projects. Fine. You know, I, think I, I I'm just glad he abstained. I'm yeah, glad. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's, thing. I, if you if you can't give an educated opinion, then don't. I'm, I'm glad he didn't say. And it's just like with our anime Oscars. There's an abstain choice on every category, and if you've only seen one out of the five choices, just abstain. It's okay. I mean, I don't have a problem with with people abstaining. I think the thing that I started looking at, and and we'll get to this at the end, too, and look at past years, is I felt like a lot of people end up abstaining. And I feel like that is more a reflection of how seriously people are not taking this this category. Because if you have a category where everyone is abstaining or or 50% of the people are abstaining because they haven't seen it, that's basically like saying... For the majority, no one cares enough, and and I get I, I think, get it. I, I think I get that goes back again to the to like the, that, but the disrespect for the medium. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was like, oh, well, I wanted to make sure I watched all the best picture and all the best actor movies, and oh, animation's kind of nice, but it doesn't really matter. So maybe if I have time, I'm on this show, and I'll tell you if if I have a choice, if I've got eight best picture nominees to watch in a two week time frame. And I have five best animated feature films to watch in that same time frame. I'm sorry. I'm watching the best feature films. And I don't, I don't fault anyone for choosing that. I fault the system. I feel like it should Fair be enough. more of a system where they should say, look, congratulations. You're voting on best animation this year. You have to watch them. You don't get to vote on all of them. Or we revoke your membership. Or we revoke, you know, some, something like that where... Where I, I get it, and if I was in the same position and I had the ability to vote, I probably, I mean, animation would be up there. But if I had to pick and choose, it would even be tough for me between animation and between watching, you know, best picture or best actor or, some, or actress or something like that. But I just think that, that the system isn't supporting these, these other, it feels like an afterthought. It feels like that kind of like, all right, we got to have this now, so we have it. If Grave of the Fireflies was nominated, if, if, that, if Grave of the Fireflies come, came out next year, let's just pretend it comes out next year, I expect that movie to be on the best picture list and not just in the best animation category because people will tell you that is one of the best films ever. Have you seen Grave of the Fireflies, Felix? Yes. Many years ago, it's got like an eight point four. I know IMDb is like I'm not a very good measure, but it has got, it, it's on. It's like rank forty. Well, there IMDb. are a lot of critics out there who who will say best film ever, not it's, just Cisco and Ebert said it or whatever. It, there's some quotes, but like, I mean, but I just but I don't even know that an animated film can make the best picture list. Which it, is a shame. it did, it did before before the category existed. 
Okay, I got you. You know, and and oh, yeah. but oh, they were few. And, they were few and far between because, and and I think that creating the category it served two purposes. One, it allowed the academy to recognize achievement in the genre. Two, it appeased members of the academy who were ticked off that their live action films had to compete with some animated film. And those are the snobby ones. Those are the ones who don't recognize the medium as a valid method of storytelling in Western culture. All right, but, but Disney, it was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs yeah. was nominated for a best picture in the 30s. You know, so it was few and far between, but it did happen. So voter number four is a member of the Academy's 1,150 member actors branch, and they accumulated most of his credits in the 1970s. So this is really a man who did most of his work in... So he's really old. Well, yeah. he's older. Older. I, I, I don't have a huge problem with this person's quote, but go ahead and read it. I don't either. I loved Big Hero 6 when I saw the box trolls and I thought the animation was great, but the movie didn't knock me out. I must admit that I have not seen How to Train Your Dragon 2, but I have seen Song of the Sea and The Tale of Princess Kaguya, both of which I love very much. They were really unique. If I was just voting for animation, I'd have gone with the box trolls, which now if this is someone who says they've seen Kaguya because any frame in that movie is like artwork and they think the animation's better than the box trolls, I actually do want to watch the box trolls now. Um... But since you have to consider everything, I went with Big Hero 6. This, to me, was one of the most well-rounded answers yes, on yeah, this okay. list. Yeah. I, I want to skip this one. Can we just skip it? The next one? Yeah, well, we have so much to talk about. And only no, the next one. one is the best one. No, 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 one. not the next one. Let's skip this one. Oh, All okay. Right. So I, I just want to put out there that the box trolls was my choice to win. Um, How but, dare you? Just but it, but just it doesn't kidding. soar. And it's 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 a quiet it's a quiet story. It's a it's the the animation is gorgeous, but the and the storytelling ambition is not the same as it was in Big Hero Six and some of these other selections. So, where where this one says taking everything into account, I understand that comment. All right, who wants the, right, the privilege the... of reading voter number five? Oh boy, can I do this one, please? Please, okay. please. A member of the Academy's 428-member sound branch who has been nominated for an Oscar. Male. Okay, so sound. Okay, so, so a techie. I only watch the ones that my kid wants to see. So I didn't see Box Trolls, but I saw Big Hero 6 and I saw Dragon. We both connected to Big Hero 6. I just found it to be more satisfying. The biggest snub for me was Chris Miller and Phil Lord not getting in for Lego. When a movie is that successful and culturally hits all the right chords wrong and does that kind of box office for that movie not to be in over these two obscure freaking Chinese fucking things that nobody ever freaking saw, an apparent reference to the Japanese film uh, The Tale of Princess Kaguya as well as the Irish film Song of the Sea, that was my biggest bitch. Most people didn't even know what they were. How does this happen? That, to me, is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. So my first thought from that quote is that that guy's a racist, shouldn't be voting. My this, second thought is he, neither was Chinese. Neither was Chinese, so that's great. Doesn't so care. you're, so you're yeah. dumb. Yeah. And, my th and the other thought is how, is, how is a movie like Song of the Sea or Princess Kaguya supposed to win when members of the, of, of the own academy are saying no one watched it? Like, you've got people like this guy voting who never watched the movie. So, and I know that that's the point of a lot of the whining and dining and the, and the lobbying. But, like, 
let's say half the people maybe never watched Princess Kaguya or Song of the Sea. How are they supposed to have a shot in hell of winning when people don't abstain? This has to be one of the most ignorant things I've ever seen um, said. And first of all, box office earnings don't have anything to do with Oscar wins. It shouldn't. Or they shouldn't. And, and you look at, you look at the, the list of winners from 2001 to 2014. Yes, almost all of those were huge at the box office. But it's not, that's coincidental. That's, um, that's not cause effect. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, in, apparently, clearly, this person doesn't vote in the foreign films category either, or the documentary category either, or short feature or short documentary feature, because very few people actually see those too. Those films don't get picked up by major distributors. And then he has the nerve to say, you know, when the movie is that successful and culturally hits all the right chords. Which culture are you talking about? Oh, clearly you're talking about Western consumerist culture and not anybody else. And not the Chinese fucking things culture. Yeah. Right? It, it's an absolutely yeah. idiotic comment by somebody who should be censured by that organization. For, for the record, because someone in the chat seriously asked, yes, that is an actual quote. The... the Chinese fucking things and excuse all the language, but that is exactly what he yep. said. And I don't want to tone it down because Jesus, I feel like, I feel like the Academy, once this, this quote was published, I, I wish, and I don't think it happened, but I wish the Academy went, so you said something and, uh, well, yeah, we're going to have to let you go now. And, and, and that's why the names are not published clearly yeah. in that article. But, I mean, I just, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Okay, so that was the highlight, but let's go to number six. Number six, a voter, a member of the Academy's 386-member writer's branch, may, uh, female, female. Uh, I saw all five. I like to sit down with the young people in her family and watch them. We all loved Big Hero 6, and there was no discussion, no argument, no nothing. The kids watched that one three times. What does that tell you? My vote, Big Hero 6. It tells me that apparently the, the, the rationale for voting on an Oscar in this category is if the kids love it. Yeah. Which should not be the case. Which means Princess Kaguya is screwed because oh, that yeah. was not a kids movie. Not a, not wasn't even... They were not also, too, <laughs> there was no discussion. No di that is how we're giving merit to our films. No, 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 no. She's saying that there's no, <laughs> yeah, there was like, no need say, to talk oh, it was about. Awesome, it. no discussion. No, no need no, to talk I about. I think it. that's that's okay. That was She's saying it was such a clear winner that oh, they didn't okay. even have to talk but about it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. That 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 makes that makes sense to me in that. But what but about the artistic merit, the creativity, the effort, the, the effort of, of 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 the of the screenwriters and and the storyboardists that like put together that one scene in Princess Kaguya where where. Uh, where She's Kaguya running. learns how to walk. She, oh, she, she oh, goes one. from crawling and not even being able to like move around to basically walking in the span of maybe four minutes on screen, and it was just like a magical scene. Like, what about what about stuff like that? I mean, just because your kids like it doesn't mean that you know it should be the best in the category. I mean, I mean, if your kids loved it, the Lego Movie would have won. See, probably. I just wish if this was how they're judging the category that they change it to the best children's feature. Yeah, yep. I mean, honestly, and just and just made it that. If they made it that, I would have significantly less beef because I'd look at that and go, "Fine, best kids movies, whatever." Well, yeah, because I mean, if you if you think about the movies that the animated the anime films that have been nominated, none of them are really kids movies. I mean, um, Ka um, Kaze Tachi New was not a kids movie. I mean that movie has Nazis in it. That yeah. was not that, that was mm -hmm. not that was not a kids movie. Kaguya Hime is not a kids movie. How's Moving Castle? Uh, 
mm, it's I, a angsty teenage movie. Yeah, angsty teenage. Spirited Away, you can make an argument. Yeah, you it's can. Movie. You can. Um, and and it won. Hello, Bing Bong. Um, Lamaison and Petite Cubes, not a movie at all. But um, you know, so I don't know. I, 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 a lot of the time, anime isn't made for kids. Yeah. So, what can I say? One last, uh, my, my, my friend that's watching made a great comment. Her kids, her kids will watch a TV commercial a thousand times. Doesn't make it a great commercial. Okay, so right. I guess those highfalutin folks at the Oscars, you know, they, they, uh, they are allowed to use that different standard. It, it's just not fair. It's not right. Yeah. I, I want to skip number seven because he basically abstained. So. Yeah, he didn't see any. So, I mean, I just get upset when it's fi- fine. Kageyahime didn't win. I knew it wasn't going to win. I said I said Big Hero 6 was going to win um, three weeks before I watched the show. But, you know, when I hear quotes from the people that are voting and yeah. I'm getting racist comments in my votes and people saying they basically didn't watch the movie, I just don't know what the how they and can I, vote. I realize it's one, but it's one of seven. Yeah, one honestly. of seven people. Like... Statistically, that just, that just seems like that's way too many. Well, if there's six thousand Academy members and one of seven is making a racist comment, that means statistically nine hundred of the Academy members made a racist comment. I'm not saying <laughs> Felix, <laughs> Felix got this look in his eyes, like, like, oh my god. All right, no. I'm saying that's just statistics. I'm not saying that actually. Yeah. I wanna, I wanna give an overall on the voters. We had two abstains, which fine. If you didn't see him, you didn't see him. I already said my piece about the system. We had four for Big Zero Six and one for How to Train Your Dragon. Three of the voters said they saw Princess Kaguya. The first voter I was unclear on, on if she did or she didn't. She never said specifically one way or the other. But that's basically half. Half of them saw Princess Kaguya. But this isn't this isn't really a, a new thing. As I said, last year at the Oscars, Oscars, it really was no better. There was four voters who abstained last year. That meant four people, about half, again, didn't see enough. Um, And the other three were unanimously for Frozen. So it's kind of like I have this feeling where it's there's the one that's the forerunner and everyone votes for that one or no one saw them and they don't vote. And again, you heard the same things last year in the quotes where one who was saying that they put their six-year-old in the theater for animated movies and then went outside to make phone calls and would ask him, was it a good one? And that's I mean, that's how they voted. So basically, my opinion on this is that obviously the movie can't win unless people watch it, okay? Because you're not gonna the people that don't abstain aren't gonna vote for a movie they didn't see. Well, not and people. the The Academy watches the, it. That's, the that's what I mean. That's yeah. what I mean. I'm talking about the people that are voting, the Academy, right? But I mean. So when you've got a movie that's a foreign film that didn't have a big theater run in the United States, it, Kaguya-hime probably barely qualified. I mean, it was it was probably like, I don't even know how many screens, but it was probably like 200 or 300 screens at most. So it's a foreign movie, and then you've got a foreign studio who isn't putting in extra effort to get the movie into the hands of the Academy voters. Like, I know that you say that they sent a box full of 500 movies or whatever in a ballot, but... There's a lot of documentation and articles written, and I have some good audio clips that I'm going to play that talk about how the Academy members get invited in droves to the actors' houses and get and they get screened the movies in their private movie theaters and all this other stuff to make sure, amongst everything else, that they at least see the movie. 
you know what? I, someone in the chat made a good point. Seven out of, you know, however many thousands of people are in the academy isn't a big sample. And that's very true. This is Truth. this is a sample of seven. However, I would also say if you had any group who's trying to hold themselves at a certain caliber and you pick out a random sample and this is what you get, even with a small sample size, yeah, I'm I mean, still worried. It's not statistically significant. But. Yeah. Anyway, so you want to leave this off with a short clip that I have here from, uh, from, from, from BBC News? Go for it. All right, this is from BBC News, and it's titled, Why the Best Picture Doesn't Always Win the Oscar. This is the Dolby Theatre in Hollywood, to which, on Sunday night, film stars and movie moguls will arrive via this soon-to-be-revealed red carpet to find out to whom the 6,000-plus Academy members have decided to award an Oscar. It will bring to an end months of campaigning by producers to make sure their film has had the best possible chance of winning. Obviously, they're not allowed to bribe Academy members, but some behind-the-scenes lobbying can sail pretty close to the wind. There's screenings, there's dinners, there's informal get-your-friends-together, um, but the Academy tries to control that as much as possible in this phase of the voting. Okay, it tries, but it doesn't always succeed, as this veteran Hollywood producer acknowledges. There is some whining and dining, but it's, it's, they've actually, you know, stopped that, I wouldn't say cold, but it's less of it. It's people who basically will screen a movie at, at their house. You know, I saw one of the movies that way. If you reverse time, and the universe is getting smaller. So the campaigning tactics have become a little more subtle. Competing films, for instance, should be viewed in impartial surroundings, which you could argue is difficult to achieve if one of the stars is hanging about before the screening. Okay, so that was interesting. Thoughts? I mean, we, we, we both know ever We know that the Academy members aren't flying to Ireland to watch Song of the Sea. You know, you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of this thing I read about... Um pharmaceuticals and doctors and things like that and how the pharmaceutical companies were like basically trying to crack down on lobbying for medicine and they were like you cannot bring lunch every day to the doctors you can only bring like menial meals like rather than steak like fine italian <laughs> and it's just like wait what <laughs> so so we've we've been demoted from prime rib to gourmet italian ooh <laughs> Look, Oscar campaigning by the studios, by the major studios, it's been going on forever. It's, it's, uh, and, and the goal, yes, is to make sure to give their, these films the best chance to win by making sure that everybody who's voting on them actually sees them. From my point of view, okay, you're a voter. Right. You're a high-profile voter. A okay. studio is inviting you or an actor is inviting you to his house or to, a, or to a private screening of the film. You're being wined and dined. Brad Pitt's house? Oh, I'm going. Okay. He's go sexy. there. You watch the film. Okay. Then you go home. You watch a DVD that you were sent by the Academy with some cold pizza and a beer. It's a better movie. You can still vote for the better movie. Because what's Brad Pitt going to do? Hunt you down after the ceremony and say, hey, I had you in my house. I fed you and you didn't vote for my movie. First of all, you don't know well, who voted for what. 
It's you're voting with impunity. You know, you're if, if you have any integrity at all, then you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to slap you I, because I, you didn't vote for their movie because they don't know that you didn't vote for the movie? Here's here's the thing though, and and by the way, the chat reminded me where I heard that it was John Oliver uh, last week tonight. I've been addicted to that show, so it doesn't surprise me that that was where it sunk into my brain from. Hmm. But you know. It's one of those things where I, I get what you're saying, Felix, and I agree to some extent, but I feel like if that were the case, lobbying wouldn't exist at all. And there's something in, I think... You still have to give people... You still have to say that you went... You did everything possible for your film to succeed. So you still have to pay for all that marketing. You still you still have to try. But in at the end of the day, it's about that individual voter... Yeah. And if they're going to be influenced by that sort of thing. Well, some people must be. Okay. What I are mean, you going to do mean, about that? I mean, I, I can go see a movie at, at someone's house in a private theater with, with Julia Roberts there. And I'm probably going to have a little bit more fun. And maybe I absorb my, my, maybe my opinions a little shifted by the atmosphere while I'm watching the movie. Or maybe the guy doesn't go home and do his due diligence. Maybe he only watches the movies he saw at Julia Roberts' house well, and doesn't also, take the time I'm also thinking own. of, A, the element of guilt. You have that feeling. I, I think that's that's natural for people to have, and that's one place where lobbying gets people. But you're immune also, to that if they're, not, if they're not standing over your shoulder watching uh, what you vote for. I disagree. For. I disagree. I think, I think there's something in your head <laughs> where... Where it's like if someone does something nice for you above and beyond, that is in a lot of people's heads. And I also think there could be that element of I want to go back there next year and I want to be like, hey, I voted for your movie. You know, that kind of thing. Lie. <laughs> yeah, I voted for your movie. Can I come to your screening again? I know you didn't win, but I really did. I've got Lie. An- I've Fingers got- behind your back. I've got another clip here I want to play. Are we good for another clip? It's, yes. also, it's also short. Here it comes field of Oscar contenders is considered one of the strongest in years, which means it's time for studios to turn up the heat on campaigning and lobbying the Academy voters. Eric, let's go to that next. What are, who are the big players in this lobbying you know, fight? Someone you may not have heard, heard of yet, but you should, is uh, Megan Ellison. She's a young 20-something producer. She's a billionaire, the daughter of Larry Ellison, CEO of Oracle. And she is behind two Best Picture nominees this year, her and American Hustle. She's very quiet, below the radar, but she's become a real force in Hollywood, especially for these smarter, you know, uh, critical darlings like these movies. The other person that we always see on this circuit is Harvey Weinstein. Right. I mean, every year with things like Silver linings with the King's speech. What are we going to see from him this year? You know, I just got off the phone with Harvey, actually, and he told me that he's not used to being the underdog, but this year he is, because he got one Best Picture nomination for Philomena, um, didn't line up a Best Director nomination, which doesn't really ever bode well for uh, Best Picture chances, um, but that hasn't stopped him. I mean, if you go to any uh, trade magazine uh, website this morning, he has uh, ads everywhere for the Judy Dench movie. And what does this lobbying look like in the background? I mean, obviously everyone wants to take home an Oscar. Oh, sure. I mean, well, there's parties everywhere. Lots of, you know, um, galas and dinners leading up to it. We had the Governor's Awards a couple months ago. Um, on Saturday, we have the uh, Screen Actors Guild Awards. That'll give us an indication of how the actors branch is feeling. But in Beverly Hills, um, where our bureau is, you can even sometimes see lawn signs. It looks like a presidential campaign that says, you know, for your consideration in someone's front lawn. So, great. I mean, I'm going to go to a ton of parties. 
I'm going to drink my ass off and eat some great food and see some movies. And then I'm going to vote for the good movie. You know, and I don't but give clearly, a rest. And I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get invited next year. Clearly, from those quotes, that's not what's happening. People, these people are clearly not voting on on criteria well, of. I think this was the the best film, and I think his performance was blah blah blah, and it had so much to say about the relative state of humanity. People are going. I liked it. Well, he, but uh, that's that's uh, but that's in the because now we're critiquing the whole system, versus earlier we were talking about animated films. I mean, I don't... I've always... I said the whole system was broken with regards to animated films. Because I look at this year's crop of winners, and I look at uh, previous years, and I really don't have a problem who wins in other categories. I don't. I, most, most of the time. I mean, there are sometimes there, There's one year... There were a couple of years there where it looked like it was skewed to appease black voters. You know, um, there's, there are years when things look a little hinky, but for the most part, like this year... This year, the best picture, the best director, uh, the best actor, best actress, all the, those made sense to me. Those, those were picks that reflected the finest in cinema. You know, and, but, you're looking, but we're, looking, we're talking about a very specific category where, yes, people don't respect the medium. Their criteria for judging the best in quality in the medium is wrong, and so we can critique that. So what, so what you're saying, if, 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 I can, if I can make sure I'm on the same page, right. is that you think the Oscars as a system overall in, un, in most other categories is fine as it is. It's the way people approach the animation category. I think, I think people's mindset in approaching the genre and approaching the medium is wrong. And it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit into this system. It w- and it was never meant to. Mm-hmm. It was never meant to because, you know, when, when the Academy started handing out these awards 80-some 80 80, 80 years ago, the medium didn't exist. You know, so now you're having to shoehorn this category, this medium, into a voting system that's not conducive to it and a voting body that doesn't want to deal with it. All right, and, and I wanted to get to this point um, about how over the last two years, we have had an anime entry into the best animated feature category. Which right? I think is weird because they came out like a week apart in Japan. The like two a fi- month? Okay. It's kind of weird, right? That, that is, that, the timing it, it is was, off. It was the U.S. releases because right. they have to meet theater, theater release criteria in the States. Right. Um, since 2012... Okay, did you, I saw these, these figures um, on Variety earlier, the, one of the Hollywood trade magazines, okay? Of the 6,000-plus members of the Academy polled in 2012, 94% of that membership identified themselves as white. Over 90%. 94, or, you said? 94. Wow, that's a lot. Over 80%. I don't, I don't remember the exact number, but over 80% male... Wow. Okay. And over 60% over the age of 50. So, okay. so none of us can be a part of the Academy. <laughs> we're all out. Wow. Now, since those numbers were released publicly, the Academy and the Academy's president has made a point to begin trying to diversify their membership. In 2012, 133 invitations to new members were sent out by the Academy. 
In 2013, that number jumped to 276. In 2014, that number jumped to 271. How do you memorize these numbers? I was reading this article just an hour ago. And, um, and those higher numbers, if you look at the lists of the people who were invited, because now the Academy is publishing those lists of who was invited, they are far more diverse, there are far more women, there are far more foreign filmmakers because they recognize this problem, okay? They recognize that they are losing their credibility in terms of, and the prestige of this award because people are starting to question their right to recognize the best in film from around the world. So I will tell you that, yes, the current membership the way that it is made up is they're not going to vote for these films. They're not going to vote for things that are outside of their wheelhouse, outside of the box. But that membership is changing. And the next 10 years, the next 15 years, we're going to see, as, and watch it even in the, in the animated film category, because as the membership grows younger, you're going to have more people who have a greater, a higher regard for the medium and for the genre. And you're going to have people thinking about it in terms of quality and not just whether their kids loved it. And and you know, I can I can agree with you and sympathize with you on that because I feel that way about a lot of different things and and I feel that way. I feel like you can blow that out to how companies are run in America and it's just how life is. How, when the next generation comes up, there's going to be a change. Things yeah. are going to be done differently. Things are going to be valued wow. differently. It's going to happen. And and well, if that change is significant or you know, a minor step in a different direction depends on what it is. But I think, you know, politics, you see it in business, you see it in, in, in social norms, you definitely see it much faster in. And so so I can agree with you on that. I just I guess I guess for me, it, it still doesn't feel like enough. The Academy trying to get more people, more diversity. It, it's it's a good start. Yeah. But when we're still seeing things like we've seen with these quotes, it it just I want more or I at least want the Academy to really say this shouldn't happen like this and we're going to try to make it better in the future. Well, I would like to see some teeth, you know, in terms of, OK, if you go on the record and you say something like this or you regard the voting process with this much disdain or this much apathy, then we'll revoke your membership. Uh, I, I think I think seeing an end to lifetime membership or seeing some sort of censure, I, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah. Now, now that that can be abused, you know, and certainly if, if, if the ruling body there starts censuring people um, for things that they say uh, outside of the voting process, you know, and their identities are revealed for whatever reason, um, then then we have a problem. And then you have voting start happening because of fear, um, fear. Okay, if, if I don't if I don't vote for the right thing. Or if I say the wrong thing, then I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be censured. I'm going to lose my membership. I'm going to lose my credibility. All that sort right. of thing. So, you know, it's a it's a double edged sword. But I think there should be some sort of penalty if you are if you are tasked to vote for something that is going to receive the highest possible recognition in your discipline. You have to take it seriously. Don't stick your kids in front of the TV and say, did you like it? Yeah. Okay. Don't stick yourself in front of the TV and say, did I Guys. like it? Yeah. Guys, I got to call it. 
No. Yeah, we gotta move on. <gasps> oh, he's playing us off. But, it's a true Academy Award. But I, but I but I want to make a quick point about about that diversification thing that yeah, that you that you were mentioning, Felix. All of the Academy Awards nominations for Best Animated Picture have all been Ghibli films, a studio that looks more and more like it may not be around even this time next year. So, I mean. Yeah, maybe maybe the academy's getting more fair, but the animation industry, the anime industry is getting ready to take a huge hit. So, anyway, when we come back, we have two impressions for you. We're going to be doing Yuri Kuma Arashi and then Seiken Sky no Wado Bureku. So, stay tuned, and we'll be back in a minute. This is Chiaki, and this is your Anime News Break. First up, do you have a 3DS XL that you're particularly worried about getting damaged? Well, let Miku Dayo, the Nenroid-shaped Hatsune Miku mascot created by the Good Smile Company, protect it. She's volunteered her head to be a new Nintendo 3DS XL case. The stuffed pouch will be released by Sega on May 28th. It includes a pouch that you'll store your 3DS XL in, and also an Otoro button screen cleaner, which is a reference to the Hatsune Miku Project Mirai 2 promo video. If this is something that your 3DS XL needs, it'll retail for 3,900 yen or just under 33 US dollars. In other news, if you're curious about the anime Knights of Sidonia, after our recent review of it, Sentai Filmworks has got your back. They've recently announced that they've licensed Knights of Zidonia for home video release on Blu-ray and DVD. The second season of Knights of Zidonia, titled Knights of Zidonia Battle for Planet Nine, will be premiering in April, and a compilation film for the first season will be opening in March. In other news, if you're a fan of J-pop, you've likely heard the famous singer Maya Sakamoto perform a number of things. Well, if you're a fan like I am, you'll be pleased to hear that the official website for the Ghost in the Shell Arise alternative architecture television anime has announced that Maya Sakamoto will be performing the series opening theme song. Composer Cornelius of Appleseed X Machina, and also who is not the AAA podcast cat mascot, will be composing and arranging the song, Anato wo Hamotsu Mono, or The Thing That Sustains You. In some news for you Gundam and Model Kit fans out there, Bandai's new Revive Gunpla series is here for you. It will start releasing in July, exactly 35 years after the release of the first Gunpla in 1980, with the HGUC 1144 RX 78 2 Gundam. Since 1980, over 34 million Gunpla have been sold, so chances are someone listening out there is a fan of these. The revived version of this Gundam is made using current molding techniques, offering better proportions and an improved range of motions over the original. It'll be priced at an incredibly reasonable 1,000 yen, which is $8.40. 
Bandai will also be releasing the HGUC 144th RX-77 II Gun Cannon Revive version, and the release date is set in June. This was Shiaki, and this was your Anime News Break. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. Is a shameless use of Nobunaga's name rife in anime? Every time somebody, like, decides, hey, let's make another anime, he's like, oh, gosh, God, no. Use my name. (laughs) I just just have this moment, I just thought of that. There's an area in Japan where they have earthquakes every two seconds because he's rolling over in his grave. <laughs> or he's just gonna he's just gonna revive himself. I, I wanna make a show about Nobunaga the zombie. And he just he just comes out <laughs> and he murders every manga artist and that has ever used that has his ever name. Had, yeah. That would be like the best show ever. Case in point, Nobunaga Concerto. It just rubbed his face in the ground when they they basically insinuated that the the, the things that Nobunaga has done can be done by a simple, stupid high school boy from current time. <laughs> Somebody please show me a high school student in this day and era that could lead people in a war. Find out more on otakuspirit.com. This podcast is sponsored And we're back to the 266th episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. I have traded my coffee for a plate of raw avocado slices and sliced salami. Mmm. It's very creamy. Very creamy. We're not going to see that snack on J-List anytime soon, are we? No. Are we going to see no. a candy flavored with avocado? And No, uh, no, but you ate a green tea Kit Kat earlier. I did. And that I was, did. And that oh, was, man. I'm such a fan of these. When, that, when you got those and you put them on your Facebook and people were like, we didn't like them. I seriously, I don't know how you're friends with those people. Well, <laughs> some days well, I don't know either. Those were compliments. I know of exactly the, uh, who you mean. And I'm just like, okay. Fine. <laughs> That's all right. No, it's okay. I, I it's was, okay. I was so I invalidated touch. by the fact that everybody else that commented after that was like, those are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's somebody who's living in Hong Kong right now that I used to know from high school. And it's like, I can't get them here now. It's like, okay, I'm going to ship you some. <laughs> okay, guys. So we are going to uh, do some impressions now. And I think we're going to start with, with uh, uh, Seiken's Sky No World Break, right? Yes. Yes, I'll, I'll start this off. I can see, I, I can see the I can see the bottom half of the cover image for this anime, and all I could see was a girl's bare ass. Yep, yep. Bring the asses. If if, if the folks in the chat right now, uh, or those listening to the recording in the podcast, have listened to other episodes that I've been a part of, then maybe you recall just how much I really, really don't like. Um, you know, flat panty shots. Fan service. Fan service. I, I, it just throws me completely out of any story you might be telling, whether the ideas are good, whether the characters are interesting. When you just put that nonsense up there, I'm out. Up and with hope, down with fan service. Now, that's exactly what happened with this particular series. And uh, this impression 
let's see. Start the clock. Okay, well, I know we're only supposed to go 10 minutes on this. Well, 8 I to s- 10 minutes. 8 to 10. All right. I, I don't even know if I can go that long. It's already it. been one. Has it? No, it's been <laughs> two, right? I'm, I'm already down two. I don't know. Whatever. The basic premise of World Break is um, that it's based in, around a school and students, and the, the student body of this particular organization, they're very special in this world because – uh, they can remember their past lives. So, and this is a world that recognizes the validity of and the occurrence of reincarnation. But not everyone can remember their past lives. Um, and but these young people that are part of this school, they're known as saviors because they can remember their past lives and they can channel the powers of their past lives. Now, usually, you're you're one of two things. You have one or two types of powers. Um, and when you can, when you're this kind of special person that can remember um, your previous existences, either you're a warrior or you're a mage. Um, and there, <laughs> and there are. You know, they're, they're, uh, I'll read this from a description that I found of the series. Um, that um, she, uh, Shiro, how do you, how do you pronounce that, Mitsugi? Shirogane. Shirogane. If you're a shirogane, then you're a warrior. Okay, um, a kuruma. Is, uh, is a mage, right? Now, the main character, Moroha, is unique. And there are very, very, very few of this type because... They normally don't have an ass that nice. Uh, no, he's it's a guy. Oh, it's a guy. It's a guy. They normally don't have an ass This is a harem <laughs> anime, so the guy is the central, is the focal point. Um, he can remember multiple existences. And he has both. He, he has the warrior and the mage. So, so he's bi. Yeah. So he's a red mage from Final Fantasy? Um, he's a mage and he's a warrior? He's recognized as, he's known as an ancient dragon, is both a Shirogane and a Kuruma. Okay. Wow. Now, now when he first comes to the school, he, he knows he's one of these people, but he's not completely in touch with his memories of his past lives. So he doesn't recognize people around him that, or he, he has a, kind of a subconscious recognition of people that were a part of his previous lives. And it turns out the two women that are the most important uh, supporting characters in the series, Satsuki and um, Shizuno, were both his lovers in previous lives. One of them was uh, in his warrior life and the other one in his mage life. Uh, now let's add in the fact that Satsuki uh, was uh, also his biological sister in that previous life. Oh, God. And, uh, and they were in love. Oh, they were very Christ. much in love. Now, Satsuki remembers everything. Satsuki, God, the minute she realizes that the boy in front of her is actually uh, Moroha, leaps into his arms, is all over him, and is like, we can, now we can be together and it's not taboo. But she still calls him um, Onisama. You know, so she still calls him brother. But uh, but we can be together because we're not biologically linked anymore. Uh, Onisama, Tashi no Koibito, Akimochi. I don't know what he's doing now. He's 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 saying, "I love you, my brother, my lover." Yeah, that that, that line is probably from this from happens at some point. All right. Um, the other female, and also Satsuki is a very annoying character. She's she's brash. She's loud. Um, she she knows how to use her abilities because um, she's also Shirogane. Um, so she, she has a weapon that, that she can, that she can draw upon when she's calling upon her powers. Um, and she's a little more advanced in using her abilities, but she's overcompensating 
because because uh, she wants to impress Motoha all the time, and it gets her into trouble. The other girl's much more calm, much more level-headed, but she has a secret, um, and she was connected to Motoha in his mage life, and together, you know, they were they were not good people. Uh, the, the 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 memories of that past life are dark, um, and uh, so she's very reserved. But she's also trying to help Motoha. Now, all of them, they are, they are sa- they're called saviors because they defend the world from what are called metaphysicals, which are basically giant monsters that can only be fought with their magic. Um, <sighs> I like the way the combat is choreographed. Are you I, actually going to compliment something on the show? I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point out. I'm going to point out the positive and the negative. I commend right. that. All right. I like the way that magic is visually shown. It's, it's a neat little dynamic where when the mages are casting spells, they're actually writing in the air at super fast speed, you know, with their fingers, and, uh, and the, the, the mystical characters are appearing in the air before the spell is cast. I like that aesthetic, all right? But take that away, and you basically have... A harem, you have a, a guy who has these two girls constantly, one of them's lusting after him constantly, and there's this incest thing going on. And the other one uh, is, is still drawn to him, still has memories of their past together, but she's keeping quiet. She's being mysterious. And then there are the other, the, the, the other ones that come along, the, the, the international heroes, the saviors from other nations. And then you have all that fan service. You have all these these shots of boobs uh, popping out of, of yeah. blouses mm-hmm. and skirts flipping up and all this garbage. It, it just it completely threw me out of anything good that was happening in this series. Where am I on time? Yeah, about one minute. Fail. <laughs> with with as big an F as I've given. Okay. Anything. All right, all right, all right. We'll go with the clip that's that's titled "Failure Drop Big." What we've got here is a piece of shit. Yeah. You know that's. That'll not, do it. You know that's not the first, the second, or even the tenth anime. You know what? You know it's screw it. It's not even the one hundredth anime that's about people that are descendants or they're either they're either the descendant of a famous historical figure or they're the reincarnation of a historical figure or whatever. So you're telling me that, that even even the ideas that I oh I, yeah yeah I mean the reincarnation Nothing. angle I know I wasn't particularly impressed by okay whatever you know there's a certain certain visual touches to it that I found okay that's the, interesting that but. anime sounds to me like a perfect example of a plague a sickness that is sucking the life and the strength and the profitability out of the anime industry and that is the horrible cycle of reusing previously exhausted ideas. Where animes just come out season after season, and all they are are a collection of rehashed, rehashed ideas. I mean, God, God in heaven! What am I supposed to say? Nothing. A harem anime. There's nothing more that no, can be said. Nothing more that can be said. A harem anime with fan service, where where the characters are the reincarnation of old fighters. Oh my God! Just please. All right. All right. People who are watching that anime are people that haven't seen anything prior to like 2011. There's a lot of people like that, and I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not condemning you if you're one of those people, but that yes, you are. That anime came out, <laughs> has come out a hundred times. You'd be throwing something at them if you could right now. 
Well, I just, I don't, I mean, if they haven't seen any of the other stuff, I can't, I feel like I can't condemn them, but I'm condemning the industry for releasing that same story the 100th time. It makes money, clearly. Well, actually, actually, there's some some data now that's showing how drastically the, uh, the profitability of the anime industry is. I would be interested to know how these series get pitched. And how how a studio, any studio, makes a decision to green light something, especially if, as you say, these this genre as a whole is getting less profitable. Yeah. Because the quality is being watered down by all the garbage that's being spewed season after season. It's getting harder and harder to find the good stuff. So, how do well, how do they make a decision I- to? I think a lot of it's done off the manga sales. Like a okay. lot, of, a lot of anime are based after manga or light novels. So it's like, oh, if the, it's it's like uh, it's like fate, it's like the fate stain anime. Or maybe it's like panda, panda creature in the chat says uh, they show it to their kids and they ask, hey, is this good? There okay. you go. <laughs> all right, move on nice. to all right now. Well played, sir. Now it's time oh, for dancing bear schoolgirl underage lesbian anime. So I'm going to give an impression on Yurikuma Arashi. Love bullet Yurikuma Arashi. And I, I don't want to ignore Mitsugi. I want to say right up at the front that this is an anime that is can very, very easily get a lot of hate from people. And I don't want to necessarily say that it is undeserved hate. But what I will say is that it's very easy to tear this anime apart from a very superficial place. And if you want to look at it like that, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to look at this anime just as being um, lesbian bear school sex or whatever, Mitsuki just said, ah. that that is totally okay. But what I want to say furry? is that oh what people, if you actually <laughs> give the show some time and you look at it in the perspe- in in a full context of who the director is and his past history and what he tries to do with this medium, and you take that into account the show becomes something different. And maybe that is unfair to do, but with this director, I, I want to do it. So I'm going to say that right from the start, that this is a show that I think it's very easy for people to look at and go, oh my God, what is this crap? And if you want to look at it that way, that, there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm not looking at it this way. I, I promise so. that I won't be too big of a dick. So this anime is directed by uh, Kunihiko Ikuhara, or Ikura, uh, I think, or not Ikura. What, what is his nickname? Ikuni. Ikuni. There we go. Ikuni is his, his directorial nickname. And as many of you know, as, as I said in the impression, this is the director who gave us Revolutionary Girl Utena and Mawaru Penguin Drum. And both of those are very highly cerebral, symbolic kind of anime that oftentimes discuss things about sexuality or society or any com- or family or any combination therein of these things. And it does that in a way that is never overt. And sometimes I think uh, Ikuni could be... Uh, slammed a bit maybe for for how he goes about his symbolism and that may be a fair criticism of his work but I, I definitely think that he is a director who tries to have something to say and and of course also he worked on Sailor Moon for the record also um, so so it's not saying much the new one <laughs> no the old one oh, the original okay, well. he, he, he was an episode director on a even still of them. okay well um, so 
Yuri Kumarashi, like these other works, has started as an original series. There is a manga running that started after. So it's a manga version of the anime. So the anime is original uh, to Ikuni. And the superficial plot level of this story is that it takes place in a world where there is this other there's this other planet which is the bear planet that exploded and the bears came down to earth and they built a wall to keep the bears separate from humans and the story follows a girl who's in school kudeha uh is the kind of the main character of the story and her relationship with one of the other students as kind of the trigger for a series of events surrounding the bears now that if you want to read a plot summary is kind of the the base of the plot summary but what I want to say is when you really start taking this anime apart, you start seeing different things. And I kind of want to illustrate what I've seen and what I've gotten from this anime so far. The first episode or two, I wasn't really sure where things were falling. You kind of had that, that judge and the court system and things like that and the bears. I'm starting to... to my interpretation of it right now is that the bears are actually a metaphor for I, I go back and forth if they're deviants in society or or actual lesbianism and and gays in society, but there's a monologue that happens in episode three that I think is when things start to kind of come together, and and the monologue is filled with quotes of the people who are in this classroom are our friends. So the main character is excluded and the bears are excluded during the scene, and they say people who contradict our feelings are a disgrace. Agreed. People who refuse to fit in with us are a nuisance. Agreed. People who can't follow social cues are evil. And then they say, we must be invisible. The invisible ones decide how to run closed worlds. And that, to me, is a whole commentary on Japanese culture because it's the collectivist society and saying, your friends, your social circle defines who you are and you want to be in that social circle. And if you don't fit into that social circle, you are an inconvenience to everyone. And so... I'm really starting to see Ikuni set up this series as being told in this school setting that is a metaphor for society and that the the bears and this whole thing with the wall is trying to block out the ugly parts of society to create kind of a, a utopia, a mental block or a physical block. Another thing that I think is really interesting is the courtroom. So there are these courtroom times where someone falls down the stairs and they end up in a courtroom and, and they're the only male characters are in this courtroom. And... At the end of the, it, the, the person who falls down makes their case. And at the end, they, they say, Yuri approved. And that's also something that I'm still trying to figure through because it almost reads to me like a male gaze kind of thing where these three men are judging the actions of these girls. And it's, it's, they're the rulers who are judging the actions. And one, one, and I think it was the first or second episode, they said, well, it's sexy, so it's approved. And, and I feel like that's another argument that happens in society. So some people say, some people I've heard with this show put the argument of, are you looking for things that aren't there? And maybe, maybe I'll be fair, maybe. But given how this director has operated in the past and the things that he said in the past and the discussions that his anime create, everywhere from it's stupid the girls turn into cars at the end and drive off naked or whatever to Do you they? know does that happen it at the end of utana the movie oh and then utana okay um to 
that whole scene is a metaphor for someone being a vessel to get another person out of an abusive situation. And once you find that person who can get you out of there, you can be, you know, at your, your bare skin deep kind of thing around them and depend on them and rely on them. And, and that's what brings you to freedom and to happiness and to joy. You know, I think this is a director that, that brings that 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 brings something to the table and and tries to say something this is an anime that i was worried about after the first couple episodes it wasn't until episode three that i actually started thinking oh you know may maybe there is something he's saying and i have to say if it was any other director other than ikuni i'll own up to it i probably wouldn't pass it because it it does have some things that i'm worried about but when you start really trying to dissect it and really saying okay what is he trying to say because if you don't look for this symbolism it's just a a jarble of things it doesn't make sense it only starts to tie itself together if you look for these deeper meanings where you're saying okay what he's really saying with this is this and then this all makes sense to have happen um and and i mean everything from you have the invisible people in the classroom and then later on you explain this invisible storm which i think ended up being a, a metaphor for rape or some kind of violence in right at the start of the series and the people who were the invisible said that it was their fault that it happened to them because they were deviant in society so it's already that kind of thing where they're they're blaming they're blaming the victim it's like the whole you know oh well she was asking for it because you know that kind of thing so so there's there's things here and and i i'm not as far as i could be it's up to we're a little late on impressions and we're up to episode eight and a lot of people have said it really really even starts coming together the further you get along and i believe it um and and someone else in our forums there's a whole thread on this on the forums where i'm posting my episode thoughts someone on the forums said you know it's this with this director the whole meaning can change right in the last episode or two uh, once once things tie together and that's very possible and it could go both ways so yurikuma arashi is passing if you watch yeah. it and it's not a show that is for you and you're not looking for those things there's nothing wrong with that um but i don't i think it i think it has enough potential that it's worth looking more into they're a little aren't they like how old are they they're little girls they're little girls right um they're like like 12 no 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 i want to say they're at least in junior high if not high school well junior high would be well in japan junior high is like 13 um, and they, at the youngest the academy i'm trying i'm trying to find i don't know the the I, the main character is a second year okay so she's 14 i i I worry that you're looking too hard, but I know that the director has, I know that his MO is to have like a deep symbolism, but you know, maybe people, maybe Utena, you know, maybe Utena and Marwadu Penguin drama are just another example of, of Evangelion where everyone just thinks it's deep symbolism, but then the director behind the scenes is like, ha you guys are a bunch of dipshits. It's just a bunch of random shit. And then this one just have, this one is just a Yuri anime with a lot of like sexualized images. And it could be, but I think it's one of those things where he has enough clout that I think, and, and there's enough here that I feel confident, I feel justified in passing it. And if it, if it, if it breaks down the next anime he comes out with, I'll, I'll consider that more carefully. Be, but right now his track record is very solid. And, and I want to, 
I kind of want to give credit to that. And and as far as um, Alosa Vin in the chat says, if it's highly subjective, why force the rest of the AAAers to watch it? Well, technically, I'm only forcing one other host to watch it's it. Not me. I, if you guys want to watch it, that's up me. to you. Clearly, <laughs> it's not me, Tiki. But I'm not watching. I it. actually think that this would be a really good opportunity to have another host watch it because. This may be the first time, like when I viewed, reviewed more of Penguin Drum, I was by myself. And maybe this is a great opportunity to look at something and go, was there really symbolism here? And have it validated from two perspectives and validated from a male perspective. Because well, I'm the only female on the show. Well, but, well, let me just say that wouldn't another host's coming to it now, knowing what you see wouldn't that already have them looking for those themes and thus sort of prejudice the it, way they're looking at it? If, if you're... I have three options for people to watch it with me. Mitsugi is one, which he already said he's not going to do it, which leaves it. me with you and Kazuo. Kazuo hasn't heard my thoughts yet. And okay, if you, there you go. And if you watch it with me, I trust you as a critic to formulate your own opinions because... That's how much I respect you. Thank you. Oh, You're that's welcome. Nice. Although I don't have the same background, I haven't seen the the film director's other work. Probably works. better. So I don't have that context. I have to take. I'll take your word on the the underlying themes and but, ideas that he's examined over and over again. But even even better. Yeah. I mean, if you if you can look at this and you can find something in it, even not having that background, great. And if you can't, then whatever then, yeah all right so all right i invite you to watch it with me <laughs> I've eight, always eight episodes are up now eight episodes are up now it's going to be 12 in total so it's not going to be a long one all right i've always wanted to watch 14 year old girls bang well we've it's seen all, it it's, it's all about it what you bring times. to the table isn't it as far as how you interpret things it's well, all about what you bring to the table well you know what you know i don't know we've seen it a hundred times in anime before so Addicted Hero from the chat made a good comment, and he said that he thinks maybe this anime is just too much work to watch. How do you feel about that, Chiaki? Like, oh, I could watch it, but unless I spend hours analyzing it, all it is is a Yuri show. I I think I can agree with that, but I also don't feel like that is, is a complete criticism because I think there are a lot of phenomenal movies out there that are work to watch. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of fantastic pieces of art that are work to consume. Yeah, but anime is not supposed to be work. That's not how people why, view why it. Not? Why not? Why not? Wait, wait, I, we, I, just, I agree. we just had a whole topic on the Oscars about wanting people to look listen, for substance. Listen, yes. I agree with you, but that's not how people who watch anime think. Well, they okay, watch here anime. in the West, that's not how people. That's not how people watch. You know, animation. You know, we don't want to put the work into it. Well, a lot of people are watching this anime with one of their hands in their pants, but you know. I don't even That's think it's. Story. I don't even think it's that sexualized. Though. I don't know. I just spent. Like, like, there I just spent ten minutes looking at moments, but like I couldn't get off to this. I just spent ten minutes looking at like like basically amateur amateur photos on on Google, but from from the anime. Anyway, whatever. Whatever. I don't want to sit next to him on the next episode. Okay, can we swap seats? <laughs> no. Whatever, it's cool. All right. Anyway, that's gonna wrap up the two hundred sixty-sixth. Episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. We now have all eight of our shows from the winter season, which means it's now time for the listener's choice. God help us. That will be up on the website um, by the time this is out on iTunes. So go check the website. You can vote for the listener's choice anime for the season. We will watch whatever you want. So yep. whether we've already failed it or not, it's fair game. There will be a poll on the site. 
And of course, we're also going to do Steins Gate, which is kind of <laughs> random, but uh, question mark. We're gonna fi- we're we're gonna fix a boo boo Chiaki made years ago. I feel like we should just have a write in where it could be like you could vote for any of these animes we didn't pass. Or write in another random show. No, that because then you'll get because then we'll have a thousand shows off from all over the place. Can we, can we, can we lobby to not have certain shows be the write-in show or, or, the, well, or the listener's choice? Precedents would say no. Uh, okay. Anyway, so uh, that's going to for wrap Hollywood. Up. I thought I'd just put it out there. Right. You can find us on our website www.aaapodcast.com. We're also on iTunes. We're on Facebook. Uh, we're on Twitter at AAA Podcast. Felix, where are you located? Uh, now Clueless Movie Reviews dot com. Also on Twitter, it's hashtag Clueless Critic. Just search for that. Um, and uh, for the more anime and uh, nerd related content, head to uh, just search for Eat More Geek. Okay. So um, and of course we're live every 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 Sunday at four p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube. So come check us out on there. All right, guys, it's been a lot of fun. I uh, I thought it was an interesting topic today, so I appreciated it. It's good yeah. to have you, Felix. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys. And I guess we know. I guess we know what you're going to be picking next time around. So uh, no surprises. But uh, we'll see you next time. Take care, everyone. Good night.